Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand. And welcome to that. Nope, I don't have my notes up. Hold on. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Everyone, stop laughing. This is serious business. <laughs> welcome. God damn it. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Target Comics Podcast. Today is February 22nd, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 586. Given that hot start, you know who's hosting this week. It is I, Joey Bertino. Uh, joining me for this week's show are Bob Breyer. Hey, do we celebrate all the presidents or is this cafeteria style? I'm just saying. <laughs> Chris Carey is here. Hey, do you know something different about me, Joey? Maybe it's in my voice. Can you tell? Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, it's, it's the Venom tattoo I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. There's a lot of layers to that 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 we could unpack. Uh, Aaron Amos is also here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. True. <laughs> Present. <laughs> Steve is n- not on the show this week. He's got a ton of stuff going on, and John is on. I believe his words were carpool duty this week, um, which is oh. adorable. Let's. I mean, come on. Let's be real. Um, yep, I have the con. I'm glad to be back. Last week I was at WWE Monday Night Raw and it was Whoa. awesome. Saw a dude get put through a table. Always great. Uh, you Any know, title change hands? No, it was the go home show for the pay per view. Oh. And I got to tell you, I didn't know anybody, but wrestling is one of the few things where it doesn't matter if you've watched for a day or a hundred years, everyone in that arena knows the assignment. And if the person next to you boos, you boo. And if the person they know who the boos, white hats and the black hats are, absolutely. exactly, exactly. And it's it was it was it was a ton of fun. So much so that we actually watched the the pay per view just to see if the storylines panned out. It's WrestleMania season, so you know you gotta you gotta yeah. do what you gotta do. Um, we got a lot going on on the show this week. We got to go to the quantum realm to talk about Ooh. quantum things <laughs> like quantum science, quantum, quantum, quantum. Quantum I'm Kang. sure our feelings will be equally small. Equal. Uh, <gasps> no spoilers. <laughs> Aaron. Yes, yes, I'm here. I wasn't shopping online. What's going on? <laughs> How many no, shoes do you have because of the show? Just be honest. There's no reason to put my business in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Just on your feet. Hey. Uh, All right. All right. Aaron, what'd you do this weekend? No, not really. No. <laughs> so, as I clear my throat, so spent some time in New York this weekend. Uh, Joey blew me off, so I wasn't able to hang out with Joey. But you know, whatevs. Look, uh, but listen, uh, I had an even better time because I oh. got to hang out with the one and only Uncle Bob Ryer. 
Nice. Yeah, it was lovely. Thank you. And uh, we had Miss uh, Carolyn Coca show up and Miss Melissa Megan show up. Although Melissa was, you know, she was somewhat injured in, in the event, but, you know, she, she pushed through. And also uh, we were joined by my mother. So we yes. had a great time. Uh, we met for a brunch at, Joe, you'll recognize Valerie. Ah, uh, yes. On uh, Sunday. Uh, and had, the band was there. band was cooking. And the band was cooking. And I have to put the video in the chat of my mother making her little stroll out of the place while the guy, I think the waiter was singing Stevie Wonder. Isn't she lovely? Yeah, your mom yes. was, was rocking out. Cane and all. So, yep. <laughs> and, uh, so I would put that as it was a great time. But we uh, we tried to go and see uh, a couple of shows, but that was a bust because mm-hmm. uh, tickets were just ridiculous. We were trying to go see um, six. And I actually been trying to get tickets for a while. You know, to go up there, but every time I looked online at the different venues, tickets were like three fifty per ticket. Yeah, um, yeah, and I was just like, I can't do that, especially since I paid like eighty bucks <laughs> when I saw it, like not even a month earlier. Yeah. Um. So you know, I figured we would we would take our chances with the TKTS Connor. For those of you who don't know, who haven't been to New York, it's a, it's a booth that's in the middle of Times Square. Um, that sells reduced or half price tickets uh, to Broadway shows, and you can go there that day. And there's also today ticks. Anyway, there's ways to get tickets. Um, that usually is just like a treasure trove of, of different tickets and different shows that are, that are out. And, you know, they usually, you know, like that morning you'll be able to go and see what tickets. And it's just like, you just take your pick. And so, you know, some of the great shows, even that was dry. There were like two shows, mm-hmm. um, playing and one was again, like two something per ticket. And I was just like, yeah, this is just not panning out. So we decided to just enjoy the city. Uh, I took her to, uh, Joy, you'll also recognize Nitty's. Uh, mm-hmm. for some real good Italian food and had a good conversation. I think her and the owner chef is are in a relationship now. I'm not sure. What's going on. <laughs> there was a, a thing happening there. There was a spark, I think. Um, a lot of good conversation, a lot of good food, and just sort of um, observing the city from the eyes of someone who hadn't been there um, in depth or detail and, uh, you know, hasn't lived there since the 60s, mm-hmm. 60s or, you know, 70s. So, you know. It was a it was a good time just sort of seeing um, re- realizing that you know when we were at Nitty's that we were in Hell's Kitchen and her thought was I don't even think when I lived here I ever came to Hell's Kitchen <laughs> so you know it was a good time but yeah we all hung out Sunday I uh, got to do you know some good food and then we all I took my mom back to the hotel and let her get some rest uh, and then the rest of us uh, sat and had some coffee and just chatted and caught up and it was just the the hours flew by. And it was just a really good time. It's always really good to see the gang. So yeah. it was fun. Yeah. You were getting we a little emotional. Was, I got a little emotional. Yeah. I got. A, I had a Pacino. Yeah. All right. We don't have to. We don't have to start that. <laughs> it's a verb. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a no. tough weekend. It's it's the holiday weekend, so that's probably why tickets were a little uh, rough yeah. to come by. So I had a conversation. And I was just like, you know, it was a holiday weekend when I was here before, but their tickets were flush. And I was like, oh wait, it was MLK weekend. People didn't care. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Like, just say it. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> tell, tell me I'm wrong. Fight me on this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fight me. <laughs> Tickets were flush that, that weekend. But yeah, this weekend they were scooping them up left and right, man. Mm-hmm. I, I just got to tell you, Aaron, you're, I hope your mom knows what a hero she is to all of us because of the stories you've told. She's, 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 she's your, your mom is something else. She uh, had a lovely conversation with your mom as we were just sitting there, and she's. She's just amazing. She, she, she I'm so glad I got to see her. Yeah. 
Yeah, she talked about she, you know she had a really good time. She talked about it all the way back to the hotel and everything. She go, that was just a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, this is great. Even though Joey wasn't there, but you know. All right, okay. <laughs> does your does your mother listen to the podcast? I don't know to be honest with you. I think sometimes I think she nice. has. I don't know if she does. I don't think she would tell me all the time. So I always got to be on my p's and q's. I suppose. Was yeah, she like she listen Bob to the Sas- be there? <laughs> yeah, she listened to the Sasuke sisters episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'd, be, I'd be banned from the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You're forbidden. Your mom's an elegant lady. Yeah, this Oscar's. A, <laughs> she might like them personally, but I don't think she'd like to listen to that one. That, that show might have said, listen, you saw how, how silently I sat on that episode. I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm so caught off guard. I don't know that's what to great. do. No, it was a good time. We had a great time. Yeah, so that's we're going awesome. to do it again. So. This Thursday, I'm going to see um, the the... Sydney Burstein's window, Lorraine Hansberry play with Oscar Isaac and uh, Rachel Brosnahan. Yep. So I'm crossing off so far this year, Paul Bettany, Sam Jackson, Oscar Isaac. My goal this year is to see as many MCU actors on the stage as possible. Broadway. So that was, that was available for a hot second. And I was looking at it and I meant to actually text you about that. And I forgot it was, it was available at TKTS for like a hot second. Yeah, uh, those tickets were expensive. And honestly, I, that, that so it's at BAM, which is a beautiful venue. But I guarantee those tickets are the obstructed view tickets. And if you click on their website and you look up the obstructed view tickets, it's literally like a three foot wide pillar in, in the front wow. of your face. It's only you at Stadium. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, what if they Chris, have, have you been the on musical? the show <laughs> since you had the needlework done? Ooh. I'm sorry. What have you have you been on the show <laughs> so since sorry. you had since you had no, a needle? No, I haven't. This is my first one so since I got the tattoo. Also have New York Ooh. stories. Yeah, I guess I do. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Tell us about why you allowed someone to needle your arm. <laughs> um, because so, I don't understand it. <laughs> well, I've wanted a tattoo for ages, and I guess a little bit uh, in the personal realm, I was gonna get it when I got my doctorate. That plan got blown to smithereens, and I said, "Fuck it, I will get it anyway." Nice. Um, and I, my, so I went to see and visited with and watched about like ten hours of Riverdale with Ben Con, and um, <laughs> you know that was always the plan. Uh, but their partner Kathleen is a very talented tattoo artist. So probably like a year ago. I was like, the first time I get it done, I want Kathleen to do it. Um, and then, yeah, here on the show, birthed the idea of Venom. And I was like, great, let's do it. And I told her about it, kind of thinking she would design this like tiny little Venom symbol. And then she comes up with this beautiful piece of art. And I was like, great, let's go all in. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. I loved it. It took six hours. <laughs> Wow. She did say I was crazy for doing that for my very first tattoo. And I was like, <laughs> you're, hour three, I was like, you're right. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun. The funny thing is I've known Ben Khan for ages. I've maybe talked to Kathleen for five minutes at a time ever. So I really got to know her that day in the six hour <laughs> session. Um, but it was really good and it was fun. And other than that, I just kind of had a chill time in New York, got my fill of, uh, you know, uh, bagel and locks, all the stuff I have to go to New York for. Mm. And it was a good time. How's the tattoo? 
it's great. It's honestly healed really quickly, um, which she said my skin has healing factor because even as she was doing it, she was like, oh, this is healing really fast. And it did. So apparently I'm an X-Men, but only minorly. (laughs) As as the kids say, YOLO, you know. That kind of is what happened, you know. (laughs) I feel like I just broke up with my grad school. I cut my hair, dyed it, got a tattoo, like a full deal. I'm moving. It's the whole thing. Sometimes (laughs) you need that. And it's the photos you sent looked awesome, you know. It's stunning, right? Like, she is so incredible. I'm really impressed. Yeah. You know, I joke about Venom and I Mm -hmm. joke about tattoos. But Mm -hmm. honestly, that is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. I would honestly get another from her anytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her mentor was also there. And when I tell you he was the tattoo artist version of Tommy Wiseau from The Room, like I can't, <laughs> he, had the, he had the voice, he had the look. I was like, hello, Mark. When he came in, he didn't get it. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's so cool. Um, Thanks. What what was what was Ben doing? Was it uh, was the tattoo in their like apartment or was it like no, at a no. studio? I went to their studio. Okay, um, I was gonna say I was like, you just showed up at Ben's <laughs> apartment and you were like, all right, get on the chair. Yeah, right. No, I went to the studio that she works at. So Ben okay. was actually just at work, okay. uh, and then we went back and then stayed up until way too late drinking and watching so much Riverdale, which <sighs> Ben Khan is watching for the first time and mm. still can't believe it's a real show, which is why it brings me joy to watch it with them. And y'all probably haven't even gotten to the weird stuff yet on Riverdale. No, we just hit season three. We're in the cult season. Hey, John, call out to you. <laughs> well, John's missing cults, Riverdale, no. and Venom. You know, I know. Really- I'm so sorry, John. I'm representing you in spirit here. <laughs> yeah, the, the trifecta. The, the the absolute joy it is to watch a season of Riverdale where the cult leader is Chad Michael Murray will never be re- repeated ever. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, Chris, you know, it's good for the plot. What's the best that could happen? Get that tattoo, <laughs> cut that hair off, do what works. Yeah. Yeah. And I and next week I have a job interview to be a professor again. So fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. Do it. How are we feeling? How are we feeling about some lightning? <laughs> Mr. Bob. Oh, okay. Here we go then. So I'm kicking it old school here. You know, Bob used to always start and we're going to do it here again. I appreciate that. Batgirls 15 by Becky Kluin, Michael W. Conrad, Neil Gouge, Rico Renzi, and Frank Kvetkovic. This focuses on Cass's rescue of Steph, who is the captive of her depraved, demented, and supposedly dead father, the Clue Master. Unfortunately for our heroes, this goes as badly as it possibly could. <laughs> but you're going to have to read it for yourself to find out because I'm not going to ruin. There are just so many twists, such a great issues. Batgirls continues to be one of my favorite reads out of anything I pick up every, every month. Speaking of favorites, though, there's Wasps number two, Al Ewing, Kasia Nee, KJ Diaz, and Corey Pettit, which blended a bit more of the modern this time around, but the retro vibe still strong as Jan and Nadia begin their hunt for the creature from the cosmos, which took them to Queens, and a face-off with a swarm of wasps, no less. But I love Al Ewing's story and his characterizations, and the art by Kaishini looked like, I don't know, a mashup of Sweeney Boo, Gurihiru, and Elsa Chartier. Oh. So I'm saying that's all pretty good, right? I'm, yeah. 
heavy into that. Lo love where we're going with this one. Okay, this is a longer one. Fantastic Four number four by Ryan North, Ivan Coelho, Jesus Arbutov, and Joe Carmagna. It revealed the event that drove the FF apart and turned everyone against them. Now, with, I don't know, there are 1,500 super-powered invaders from the negative zone overrunning New York City. So, I, I mean, Reed's, yeah, <laughs> Reed's last best chance to save as many as he can exacts a terrible price. One I won't tell you about. I, well, we may spoil this, but, uh, oh boy, um, for those people who are Reed Richards is a jerk out there. You have some new. You have some new ammunition. Oh, good. <laughs> um, look, this was a very emotional issue, both on the large scale and the small. And while there are some lighter moments, you could feel the tension in every panel. Uh, there are. Uh, uh, we'll we'll talk. I mean, we'll talk in a bit. Finally. Um, I want to take a moment to congratulate James Santana and Hunter Van Lierup of Android's Amazing Comics down in Sable, one of my local comic shops, on the publication of their Kickstarter project, The Unknown Heroes Anthology. Now, they're the driving force behind it. They co-edited it, also wrote the first story, The World of Nebulon. And that's kind of a fun kaiju, Power Rangers, Stanley, Jack Kirby, Atlas monster mashup with... A twist that really puts an interesting spin on, on the subject. And cool art by Casper Flores and C.J. Belotto, uh, also, by the way. There are six other stories in here. And it's basically a variety of superhero subgenres from classic takes through to body horror. And all are, are really, really just fun reads. There's a second volume coming of this in May, and James and Hunter have some other projects of Bornin, as they used to say back in the day, of being very stan on that. So be on the lookout for this. You know, you love when someone makes that leap, as our friend Stephanie did, from talking about comics to creating them. Love it. Absolutely love it. I, eyes done, as they say. Can I, can I ask you before everyone goes off on sure. Fantastic Four? Um, you're before issues in now. Yep. Yep. How is North distinguishing his book from what Slot did for 50 issues? I think this is the first one, but go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree, Aaron. He's, he, he wanted to introduce the individual characters first to give you his take on them. So we had a Ben and Alicia issue, then the Reed and Sue, and then Johnny last time around. And now has put the team kind of back together. But he was... He, this is big. This is a big event sort of story that we have now gotten to. But by giving us the characters first, mm -hmm. Dan Slott did, did a great job of trying to juggle 47 people at once, it seemed like. And sometimes people got a little bit of short shift. Steve was always, well, we want more Valeria and Franklin, and I wanted more Ben and Alicia, and you, everyone could have debated, but everyone got their moment. Ryan North... And again, having read his Squirrel Girl for so long, we've all gotten what he loves to do with characters. It's really build them and giving everyone an issue, then set this up to be deeper because we spent time with the other three characters on the run as we get back here. I'm trying very hard not to say anything important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think this is, as Aaron says, this is where you put the team back together and you see where the pieces will fit, fall clash and all of those happened here cool 
Yeah, yeah I, I'm behind on it, so I have to catch up. But part of me was like, oh, I need to, I need a break. I need to like take a take a beat from Fantastic Four. But hearing that it's starting to settle now around issue four, I'll definitely catch up. But anyway, See, I don't, go about I don't know, it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would say it's starting to settle. I think he purposely. I think one, two, and three were legitimately for people like you. I think he assumed that I think he assumed listen we're starting this right after slots run people are going to wonder if I'm carrying on their story if I'm you know if I'm starting something new what I'm what am I doing blah 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 you had slot then you had Pepos in between there I think for like one or two issues or something like that for the, the axe stories yeah yeah, yeah. um so he, I'm sure he was just like, listen, I, I need a, a few palate cleansers. And so he probably just said, you know, there's a, there's these Joey's out there that are just going to need some space. And I think that's what one, two and three were. Um, and I don't think one, two and three even, I mean, they only hinted maybe like on the last panel of the last page that there was something that had happened um, in each one. But it, it's not as though they gave you clues um, as to what happened. Mm-hmm. I think this one. You know, obviously just answers the question outright. I will say this, though, and it's I I feel about Reed the same way I ended up feeling about Tony during in the MCU, because I started off really not liking Tony in the MCU. Um, And I had to put him up against and I I had to go specifically back to that conversation that he and Captain America had. This is Tony and Captain America had in Avengers versus the conversation had an end game and how much space had, had occurred in between there. Reed. I, I know people don't want to like Reed because he makes the decisions, but I think Reed takes that into account that he is willing to make the decisions that everyone's going to hate, but has to happen. He's willing for everyone to hate him. If people are going to live because the alternative in most of those cases not all of them, but in most of those cases is that there's going to be serious catastrophes and there's going to be a lot of death and carnage and everyone's going to wonder why someone didn't figure out how to fix it. I think he is willing to do those things and assume responsibility for everyone's hate. Um, and, and I think that's kind of where, where it ends up with him. So I think that's how he's, he's best written. It's when he's completely unaware, then it comes off you know, like not self-aware, then I think it comes off a little, yeah, like you're yeah. saying, but when it's, when he's, because in this instance, and again, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, there's that, there's that the question later on. Yeah. yeah. Yes. He asked a question. He asked up front, he asked a question and everyone said, of course, yes. Um, And then it happened. And then everyone realized what they agreed to. Um, and you know, then there was that, like Bob said, there was that page later when you're realizing, take a second look at what happened here and the, the impact it had on everyone. And that's, a, that's, a, that's the part that had this really big emotional punch to it. So I don't necessarily give it like Reed is just a jerk. I give it Reed is willing for everyone to believe he's a jerk if he gets to to do something save the universe the long run. yeah that will right. save the exactly well, as, as i've said a lot over over the years here the perception of reed richards is made for a lot of people by people by readers not into the regular book mm-hmm. as a guest star across a lot of things including various secret wars and incursions or whatever he comes off as uh, i'm smarter than you i know better yeah 
and, yeah. and or, or the absent-minded professor who does things without any thought of the consequence. Well, as written properly, he has, for the most part, in his own book across Stan and Jack and Byrne and certainly Mark Wade, certainly Fraction, we'll go we'll down, down the road, but that Ryan North, I think, gets it. And I think yep. this this cemented it for me. Hmm. I'm looking yeah. forward to what whatever else he wants to tell me from here on in. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I know there, like Bob said, I think there are other writers who come in for a hot minute, who absolutely absolutely do write read that way, sort of like he's just you know like an arrogant, self-aggrandizing jerk. I I have seen that, but I think it's exactly like he said. When people get the characters, they get how much he loves this family and how much he loves the universe and what he's willing to do to save it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. At his own jeopardy. Um, That's kind of where, where Reed sticks sometimes, but anyway, that's that. And Chris, you're just like, forget Reed Richards. I have I've had enough of, of men who think they can do whatever they want just to save the world. I'm like, do better. You mean you can stretch but you can't bend? Is that what I'm learning? Um, I think if you read this issue, even if you didn't read the other three, but the, the other mm-hmm. three would help set it up, this in and of itself is if anyone could make me like him, it's Ryan North. So yeah. maybe I'll give it a go. But that I feel that feels unfair because Ryan North could probably make me be like, Mister Sinister's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Ga- I love I love Galactus and that one issue of Squirrel Girl. So just <laughs> oh, sitting no, there I on think... the moon chilling, right? They're just bros. <laughs> Wait, where was it where we Joey, when we got Sinister with the cape? Sinister with the cape is you. What do you mean? Always, first of all, the most recent one. I mean, the most recent one. It was in one of the immortal. Obviously, Kieran Gillen was writing Sinister, number one. There you go. Uh, Kieran Gillen's Sinister. I am shocked and appalled that you don't love Chris because I felt like that was just. I actually haven't read it, so that's probably why I would probably. I I take it back. Apparently, I'm going to go hard into Sinister in the next. No, because here's the (laughs) thing about like 21st century Sinister isn't like the guy. Isn't like the like the creepy the creeper yeah. rather like yeah. like who like peeks in the window and he's like he he Summer's brother and then like walks away <laughs> like he's not that anymore. Oh, yeah. I like that now, one. Yeah, I was now, basically basing my opinion off of the '90s X Men cartoon. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, he was like he was like ha sinister. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, yeah. And now he's like he's like this posh like you know greasy haired cane. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm back. I'm back. Apparently, my next tattoo is about to be sinister. I get it. I get it. He's like pseudo, like drag queen. Oh, okay. Your cape. My cape is awesome. I want to come up with a better example then. He's so funny right now. Sinister is just so. He's in this phase of just being hysterically funny while at the same time being incredibly scary. That's amazing. Who would we say is like a universally hated character? Morbius. There we go. (laughs) Ryan North could make me like Morbius. There we go. I was going to say Damien. Yeah, well, Beast. universally is not I would say on the X-Men side, I think Beast is universally hated at this point. Yeah. Right what now, yes. Right now. Wow. He was one of my favorites. What happened? Oh, no, my God. I would say, what hasn't happened? He's a fascist. Oh, yeah, well, Bob's, there's that. Yeah. 
He's been no. a fascist so since Extinction Agenda. Uh, not Extinction yeah. Agenda, that's different. E for Extinction back in like 2005. But anyway, yeah, he's, go ahead, he's been a fascist for, went, before it was he, cool. In <laughs> the new X-Men, Beast went full bore into by any means necessary yeah. to okay. protect mutants. And he's really just begun to smell himself. Okay. Um, he really just has. We don't need that mental image. <laughs> he, yeah, I, I, I see a dog sniffing his own equipment. Based on some of the drawing, I guess it would be more like a cat, right? And it's, it's gotten to the point now where I think, what is it, in X Force, Yeah, because he still leads X Force, <laughs> the team doesn't even listen to him anymore. He like comes in, he gives like all the orders, and he's like, okay, Sage, what do you think? Because you're just like, we're not listening to this guy because we don't <laughs> like this guy and we don't trust him as far as we can throw him because this guy's insane. And she will just be like, yeah, just do what B said. I'm like, okay, we, we'll do it because uh-huh. C said to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's funny because Beast was like, you know, he was so anti x-force back in like mm-hmm. 2010 2011 and now he's like the guy who's by any means mercenary so i guess it is like dynamic characterization mm-hmm. but honestly part of the reason why i'm not reading x-force is it's a little too much like you know well just kill the guy and it's like mm-hmm. no we should be a little bit better there oh, there's a oh he went oh you don't even know yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. <laughs> is, Beast, is Beast at, like, manipulation levels Professor X yet? Or He's, he's the new Professor X, yeah. I see. Ooh. Beast is... Okay, I'm going to just put it out there. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't read one of the more recent issues of X-Force. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the most recent one, but, like, two issues ago. This mofo is experimenting on mutants and flushing them out the... Out, out the <laughs> Oh, so he's now... He's the high evolutionary now. Yeah, yeah the fascist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> And it's obviously like, it's like Dark Beast, you know, like, yeah, Yeah. he's going down that timeline. But anyway, this is some deep cut stuff. Did anyone else read Batgirls? I didn't get I'm not caught up yet, but I'm I'm reading them. It's so wonderful. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. I'm caught up. I'm just haven't read that. This I haven't read 15 yet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm up to 14. I heard some reactions from the crowd. So I was like, oh, maybe people are caught up on backwards. It's definitely on my list for sure. Oh, Bob, I had another question for you. Sure. Um, Nadia, uh-huh. under Al Ewing's pen. How, how are you feeling about it? Because when I was reading Nadia under some of the other writers, uh, like when she was showing up in Champions and things like that, I was like, ah, people tended to kind of like write her a little too young for my taste, like a little like, a little too like, oh, bubbly, like, ah, yeah. you know. And I'm wondering if how how she how she is uh, in in this series with with Al Ewing writing. Well, Al Ewing, I think, is capturing some of what Whitley brought to it. That yeah, she she's new and everything's an adventure a certain level, but there's there's still the realization of where she came from those years spent yeah. in the red room or whatever. And that's here because they're hunting down someone who's uh, now I don't want to spoil this. There's, there's some very bad people who murdered people very close to our two wasps. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so Nadia is focused and Nadia focused can be uh Absolutely pointed and dangerous if you're in front of her. Right. But she she's still Nadja. And, and the, the Nadja Jan dynamic, getting to see it played out across whole issues. Mm-hmm. Again, 
I mean, I'm brought back to uh, Unstoppable Wasp and, and sure. th- that moment where she's she declares what her last name is, which I'm not, you know, <laughs> that which yeah. had us all bawling back back in the day with, mm, with Jeremy's yes. Jeremy's run. And Al Ewing's been one of my favorites over the last few years, able to do the most cosmic things, yeah. absolutely nuts. And yet at the core of everything is this humanity. Yeah. And that's a special gift. Al Ewing got me with Mighty Avengers. Yes. Right? And and then the Ultimates. The Ultimates. That's when that's when I hopped on the Al Ewing train and uh I read through Hulk, his Hulk run, which was madness. Um, and I'm still I it, I could do like an issue of Defenders. Defenders, yeah, yeah it takes a while. <laughs> a year, like I could do like yeah. one a year. You know, it's gonna take me about eight years to catch up. But I just need it just needs to sit in my brain for a little bit. But I'm, I I would like to check out that Wasp for sure as well. All right, let's go. Anybody else for Bob's books here? No. Chris, would you like the yes. floor? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, (laughs) uh, So I am bringing, of course, Webtoons to you. Uh, So I started a couple of new ones this week. uh, Fathoms of Atonement, which is actually new. There's only a few issues of it. It is absolutely this beautiful, like, watercolor kind of fairy tale looking art in this gorgeous story of... uh, a half demon and a demon that have fallen in love and it's genuinely so sweet one of them is a water bound one and the other's bound to land so they're kind of separated like that but also one for reasons we've yet to find out has lost his memory after their great love story so the other one that has it is having to create their great love story again to get him back and it is just so charming it's very much a like if i lose you i will find you in any iteration kind of a love story uh which i'm a thousand percent here for i'm sending some art to the chat because i just need you all to appreciate just this is every panel of it it's gorgeous um just just full stunning oh. art oh right my. yes it's beautiful and it's romantic and the use of light is really wonderful in it uh, so it's brand new like three issues so if people want to jump on it's a great time to do so uh and get caught up on like my usual 400 issue one which brings me to <laughs> the strange life of oscar zahn <laughs> Which isn't quite, it isn't quite at 400, I don't think, but it's pretty deep in there. I have only read some of them, I will confess. I'm not all the way caught up on this one either. This one is a kind of uh, paranormal murder mystery, supernatural mystery type thing. And the main detective is a skeleton with a floating head. Um, And he does all this investigating into paranormal happenstance and what's going on here and how he can protect people and things like that. Uh, It's very, like old school uh, uh, Dresden Files kind of vibes, Mm. if people remember that, uh, which was a favorite of mine from days past. It feels a lot like that. Um, The art in it is also really gorgeous, though in a more dark noir type of way, but still colorful in its own way. Um, Just like a darker palette. Uh, And I fully recommend that one. 
Uh, so usually I would bring three webtoons, but I had to read Batman Eternal for my other Ooh. show. Also, usually I don't double dip and talk about what I talk about and go here. But if you know Batman Eternal, it is 52 issues and I didn't have any time to read anything else. So, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, for full discussion of it, it'll pop up on Go soon. We have a two-part episode because that thing is so long. But uh, for just now, I have to say this was the first ever Batman comic i read and this is why i am a dc person this is why i'm a batman person and this is why i love the characters i love like batman eternal is the er book of chris mythology if you will Mm -hmm. and sort of what i compare every version of the story to going forward and it was funny to revisit it since i hadn't read it since i was a teenager and be like oh yeah oh yeah i've judged every version of batman off this version of batman i've judged every version of tim off this version of tim and so on uh also it has cults so it's like it really was right. <laughs> it's right there. It was very funny because we read this with Bronwyn uh, for our show and her text message to me was three things. One, everything about you makes sense now. And two, be honest, have have you talked about this in therapy? And I was like, shut up. And yes. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, I've been spending a lot of time playing cozy games because I'm deeply stressed out. Uh, and I just started a new one called Grow Evertree for the Switch uh, that I fully recommend if you've ever wanted to just have like a powerful impact on a tiny world and very low stakes. <laughs> so you go around and you bring color back to a world and it like literally blossoms out from the things you do. And it's just so soothing and also so rewarding. And that's what I've been doing this week. Cool. Cool. Um, what what was the like when was batman eternal i was just gonna ask the same question because i'm trying to remember in my head it was the 75th anniversary i don't remember i can look it up right now was this when bluebird was introduced when bluebird uh it wasn't it was right after she was introduced but she is like a main character in it she comes in in the snyder run earlier when she saves batman's life during court of owls but um she doesn't do much until this one where she like really starts to come into her own this this one we we meet her and her brother yes when colin's in it this is also the one that gets the like rebooted steph um origin story so this is the new introduction of steph into the batverse i love it so much yeah was cassie in this one um cassie is no, not in this was. one. No. She's in the sequel. She's in Batman and Robin Eternal. That's what I was thinking of again. Okay. Yeah. Now I got it. Okay. Which I also oh. love. That one's real good. <laughs> I believe in I actually read both of those. Yeah. Like all 52 and I was like, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this. Uh, 52 was my <laughs> limit. It wasn't it was that they long. were, I didn't think they were bad. It was just the commitment. Mm-hmm. Was yeah. just like, oh, okay. Now, imagine doing it really quickly for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> my own fault i should have started sooner but i did it i was like i can do it and then i was like oh god <laughs> that's back in the day when i would actually just pick up sight unseen any anything with batman yeah. on it and just read it mm-hmm. yeah which was how i got into it i literally went to the library as a teenager and it had a one on it so i was like great a starting point something i have since learned not true <laughs> this was certainly not a normal starting point for people but hey it worked on me apparently (laughs) and you said 52 issues the first one like the first batman eternal is 52 and then i think the batman and robin is like 25 also all right i'm in (laughs) 
do it. It's so good. It's so it is good. good. It, it is good. It took me a, it took me a minute to sort of just be like, all right, I, I'm gonna. Yeah, Eternal's the one with the Jim Gordon plotline. It's so yeah. good. Like that is the best Jim Gordon story ever, in my opinion. And is it its own? Like, is it is it is the title Batman Eternal or is it yeah. like? Okay, great. Yeah, if you go on the app, it, there it's all there as Batman Eternal. I love so. that. I it was literally. Remember, I remember everyone was just like, "They are really going to do this every week," um, <laughs> yeah. and they really did it every week. And I, I don't think did. I started like week week one. I think I started maybe like week three or four or something yeah. like that. And so it's just wild because like, okay, well, I'm in. Oh, it, it was has, one of those like fifty two mm-hmm. books. Yeah, correct. It, ah. it has uh, it has Tynan and uh, and Snyder like show running it almost mm-hmm, but literally mm-hmm. every batman writer and every batman artist does at least an issue of it and cool. yet the story is consistent the art isn't i will say that's a little jarring it's not if, it's, not. it's <laughs> not it's all over the place because they're like showcasing everyone's art styles and sometimes mm. you're like wait who is this character because they had short hair in the previous issue and long and but you know um it's clear they didn't see anyone else's art before they published it <laughs> <laughs> that may have been when i really begin to zero in on mm. the reality that DC does have a a house style template. Yes. That maybe not everyone follows to the letter yeah. to the T, but it's generally there's a template there. Yeah. And that everyone true. sort of has to sort of leave. That's what I it's just seeing it come week after week after week after week. Yeah. It became clear. I'm like, okay, there's a there's yeah, a there's, there's a, a rubber stamp or something happening. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Again, because I remember had uh, Snyder and Tynan's name on it, and I was just like, Mm -hmm. if Snyder Mm -hmm. wrote it, I'm reading it. Wow. They even got Mighty Morphin Power Rangers own Kyle Higgins. Yeah, they do. I love Kyle Higgins's Batman stuff. It's all so good. Oh my god. Gates of Gotham is one of my favorite Bat stories. Kyle Higgins like kills it. Um, So he does good in this too. But like I was saying, like even though it's each issue is a different writer, the story is remarkably consistent. Like they obviously worked so hard. I bet Snyder was hitting some kind of thing. It might have been five hour energy or cocaine. I don't know. But he did. (laughs) He was clearly reading everything. (laughs) That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And those webtoons sound awesome. They really were. They were great. I dove in for the first 20 or so of the strange yeah. tales of, of Oscar Zahn. And look, I, I mean, he's a headless person with a floating skull. So he's a paranormal investigator. However you want to pause between uh-huh. those two words, right? It's, it's yes. really pretty, it's pretty, it's different. It's, yeah. it, I mean, to me, I, I expected one thing and got another, quite honestly. And, and, and there's, yeah. there's a quote they use early on where they say, he may lack a body, but that doesn't mean he's missing a heart. Yeah. And the first little prologue story, we encounter a monster and he does something that is so very touching. We, we, we close that off. I think it's, it's meant to set up where we'll go as we move forward. That was so beautifully done. The, the, the next story, we're, don't know where we're going yet. I'm reminded of, of an old movie called Jacuzzi by Abel Gans. He actually made it twice. It's an anti-war picture set in the last days of World War One, and I've just yeah. got a feeling. I don't want to spoil that movie or this book using the movie as, as an example. Yeah. But now we're on the, the World War One battlefield with this fella with the, with the wrong kind of gun. Uh, 
Private Harper from Canada, and he actually he's from he's from St. John's, Newfoundland, where my father was stationed during World War II. Oh, fun! So that that's fun. Um, I I mean I I the the one thing happens in the first one that that hit me only and I didn't think of it when I read the title of the webtoons. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a very famous Lovecraft story from 1921 called The Music of Eric Zahn. Oh. About this, there's this weird fellow living in the upstairs apartment who's playing his violin at all hours of the night. And the guy mm-hmm. downstairs goes up to see him. And I'll, I'll spoil a story from 1921. I mean, who cares? <laughs> uh, I think it's outside the realm. Uh, I think it's outside. It's in public domain at this point. Right. He, uh, Eric, Eric Zahn is using his music to keep away all the beasties from invading our realm. Oh, so when that Maybe thing happens, reference, yeah. I'm thinking, considering what happens in that first little story, there's right. a possibility. Right. And yeah. what you're saying about the art, I'm if you've never read Colin Coover's Bandette, you should. Mm, OK, but this art has as a sort of if you cross Colin Coover's Bandette with Edward Gorey. Yeah, hmm. yes. It's playful but dark. It's it's yeah. a wonderful combination. I think uh, anyone who tries is going to love it. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. And the 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 art you sent in the chat. Who's the artist on that again? Oh God, you know I never look this up. Oh, uh, <laughs> Joey, how long have I been on this show now? I've never once looked that up. I just Eric. want to credit this very beautiful <laughs> artwork. Okay, I'm pulling it up. It just makes okay <laughs> it's not like webtoons is easy to navigate give me a sec uh god it is not easy to navigate hold on it's okay it's okay it's all right i'm there i got it uh it's j.s sart hmm j.s sart like jean paul sart no <laughs> it, it actually really is really is, is stunning. stunning it's um, really good and it's like every panel that's not a splash page that's a panel that's incredible yeah Ugh. why are some people so talented anyway it's horrible of them isn't it it's horrible yeah. of them it sounds great um cool anything else for chris aaron yes yes how are you do you want to go first or you want me to go first well, I guess we would be third and fourth now, wouldn't we? Not exactly. All right, you have to make it weird. I'm just asking you. Would, would you are you done? Are you, you done shoe up? shopping and ready to talk? I'll go or now. You... I'll go now. I already okay, clicked go. purchase. So we're good. Okay, all good. Right. All right. First of all, it I is just want to give you the option just in case, you know. Yep. Option accepted. Yeah. Option accepted. Yeah. So, are we here? Is this thing on? All right. You're going to go now. So it, it is clear. I'm not doing it with you. It is clear that it is February because all my books were very black. Um, I, I wish I was on the show last week, but, you know, life was punching me in the face, so I had to take the day off. Um, but as I look through the list of everything I read last week and this week, there were only two books that did not feature all black people. And one of them we talked about today. <laughs> so, um, uh, I picked a couple um, and I'm going to just, well, a few, a couple, three. And then I'm just going to go through the first, oddly enough, I'm going to talk about is written by Scott Snyder and Jamal Eigel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of these, the Comiscology original books that he's been doing, Dudley Dotson and the Forever Machine. 
uh, number one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw it. It kept popping up in, in, in my face. And I was just like, you know what? Let's let's read this little title here and see what it is. Because I'm so accustomed to Scott Snyder being very creepy. You know, sort of creepy and, and as dark. As a person or and, just as a writer? <laughs> yes. No, yes, as a okay. Writer. No, as a writer. Okay. Um, I'm just accustomed to his work being just very dark and very mm-hmm. uh, suspenseful. But the artwork for what I was looking at was not that at all. Um, it's very bright and sort of a little bit more cartoony. And I was just sort of like, all right, what is this all about? So I picked it up and it's really, and it's in the title, um, it's starring Dudley Dawson. Dudley is sort of a, a teenage inventor, nerd, not very coordinated, not very organized, has a, a, a solid group of friends, but obviously would definitely be seen as part of the outcast crew, you know, in school participates in this uh, sort of inventors uh, little contest competition where things sort of go a little off, doesn't really do much for his reputation. He's got this dog that's looking at him sideways like, what is your problem? You're an idiot. He's got this teacher that's still trying to back him up, but he's got other people who are just dumping on him. But he continues to push through. In the meantime, he's got a dad at home who's sick. Um, and and he's really just trying to sort of balance the pressure and the stress of those things on, you know, with what he's capable of doing, you know, trying to maximize the effectiveness of how he uses his talent. Because in the end, he is really a genius. Um, fast forward, and I read Run and Two, so I'm sort of I'm going to slide through both issues. Fast forward, turns out that there's a lot more going on in the universe than he had believed. Uh, he happens to try to go see that teacher who had his back and finds the teacher in like a giant mech suit uh, fighting off what looks like aliens. We're not really sure. And finally, he looks down on the dog that hates him and screaming, you better run now. And it all starts off from there. So the hell of a start. <laughs> it, just, it just goes from there. Turns out this dog is sort of uh, the brain sort of has is, is well, I'm not going to spoil it. Turns out this dog is very old um, and there's a society that has been created of all the great inventors in the world um, and the objective of this, this sort of society, all the greatest inventors of the world through history, I should say. So all of them, like dating back millennia. Um, and this society was designed to create what's known as a forever machine. And this forever machine was theorized to sort of create a, a an entryway or, or a connection to people making similar strides in other universes or galaxies or, or dimensions. And then they would all come together to form this sort of mega society of inventors. Well, it didn't quite work out that way because some people who had the, uh, the key on the other side of that doorway, not so nice. And so now they're all on the run and they're trying to figure out how to best keep this one invention that will effectively, that effectively holds the key to all of this away from these aliens and guess who now has that one invention you guessed it dudley dotson (laughs) so it's all sort of a it's 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 not at all what i expect from scott snyder it was just a fun ride there's four issues out now if you have comiXology unlimited they're free um so if you don't (laughs) well well well, Well, bob we'll find a way we'll find a way find someone who has comiXology unlimited then we'll see what we can do um but yeah, it's just been fun. I read two really quickly. I wanted to get the other two done, but I ran out of time. Um, it's just really sort of a fun way of starting. And what I really loved is that they have um, Dudley. I, I don't read one way, but he has his friend who I definitely read. I don't know if it's intended this way, 
but I definitely read this friend is non-binary. Um, and it's Ooh. I'm not sure specifically what it is, but there is just something about it that just makes it, and it's not really discussed as part of the story. It's not really focused on it. It's just the way the art portrays this person. So I thought it was very interesting, this, sort of the way this whole thing was set up. So not a, not a Scott Snyder book that I'm accustomed to reading, but I'd say check it out. It's fun, especially if you have Comicsology Unlimited. It's free. Next book. <laughs> Rub it in. I, well, you know, and if, otherwise it's not. Um, <laughs> next book. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Icon and Hardware, Worlds Collide, number one. Reginald Hudlin and Leon Chilis, a Chill, whatever his name is. I'm sorry. I can read my own writing there. So, you know, this is season two. It's it's a kind of season two-ish. Um, nah, season, yeah, it's kind of in between season one and season two. I'll put it that way because the other ones specifically call out season two. You know, I'll get to that later. So we got some things that have moved on. As you, as you know, we left off with Icon and Rocket. You know, they basically solved the, a lot of world's crime. They solved the drug problem. Um, which created kind of pissed a lot of people off because it really had this this effect of upending you know the world economy. On the other side of the, the world, you have hardware who was basically blamed for the Big Bang by uh, the Alva Corporation, who really is is a corporation that did it. He's basically a sort of like African American Iron Man on the run, trying to clear his name. Two different parts of the world, two different parts of the universe, but sort of have this thin thread of connection. So we sort of pick up now uh, after all those things have occurred, and we have, starting on the Icon and Rocket side, uh, Augustus has sent Rocket to school in Switzerland, basically with the intention of teaching her how to deal with the social and world elite for when she has to handle them as a superhero. Um, and so she's in this really swanky, expensive boarding school. Augustus is Icon, for those of you who don't know. Um, and then you have Augustus, I don't know, sidebar, getting booty in the air at 40,000 feet. Ooh. Don't know what that was all about. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Good for him. Club. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I was making it up, but nope. Good for um, him. Even so much as to go back and take a shower afterwards. Um, <laughs> and then on the other side of that, you have Hardware, who is, because he's still on the run, Curtis Metcalf, because he's still on the run, um, even after sort of defeating the Alva Corporation, the Alva Corporation is still after him um, because they're pissed off. So he's trying to figure, he's looking at all these pictures of Icon and Rocket. And if you read Icon and Rocket the first season, you realize there was this tech that allows for them never to be actually photographed. Their photographs are always blurry. So he's trying to find this tech so he can sort of bring it into his, his arsenal to be able to be on the run better from the Alva Corporation, to be able to go really stealth. Um, and it sort of, he, he begins to search the dark web and he finds out the history of Icon and realizes he's an agent, an age alien rather, um, and tries to find his technology. What he ends up finding is a diary from Benjamin Banneker, long story. Somehow he just stumbles on time travel. Let me just nice. cut to the chase. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he just stumbles on time travel. He decides, okay, I can maybe go back and do blah, blah, blah and stop the big bang. Whoa. What he does, however, is like, but let me test it first and pull a Barry Allen flash flashpoint situation Uh-oh. and go back and affect my own timeline. Oops. I'm like, I'm Never like, good nothing, idea. nothing, nothing good ever comes of this. Um, and he has full on conversations and really does makes like full on, like, I don't know, just bad decisions, I think, from someone who is so smart. 
um, bad decisions. We don't actually get to see how all of it plays out, but we do get to see how one very important aspect of it plays out, and it ends up very bloody and didn't have quite the impact, the, the altruistic impact he thought it was going to have. So we've are, we're off on a on – a, a, and at the end of it, it wasn't until the very end that we actually see Icon and Hardware face-to-face, and Icon does not look happy. So this is, I think, where we're going to get the Icon versus Hardware scenario. Um, the art, I think, is is falling in the path of what we saw in um, in hardware, which was a little bit harder to sort of get into because it can kind of take you out of it. But um, I think the story is one that is sort of it's going to take it's taking you in a much different direction. I think before we had everyone in in sort of Dakota in the Dakota verse in Dakota City, and this is sort of taking us out of Dakota City altogether and sort of expanding these individuals to a different universe. Last book. Static season two, number one. I'm just going to say it. Nicholas Draper, Ivy, Vita Ayala. The art just out of the gate, beautiful. I'm just going to continue to say that. We got Virgil, Richie, Frida, Daisy, and Darius forming your own little superhero club, if you want to call it that. They're a little our gang of superheroes, I guess, but not really because I guess Virgil's the only superhero. Um, really trying to do what they can to support bang babies around the city without basically blowing up their spot. Speaking of which, they come across a paramilitary group who's basically rounding up bang babies at what's supposed to be this sort of meetup. Um, explosions ensue. Come to find out, Virgil saving people left and right. Turns out it was this stressed bang baby whose power are one that manifests these explosion. He created this explosion that actually killed. It looks like they may have injured quite a few people and killed a lot of people, which furthers this question. Are bang babies safe even if they don't intend to be unsafe? Um, and this is sort of a question that Virgil has for himself as well. The other thing we notice in this issue is that there is a new big bad who's looking for someone who's been snatched up by these paramilitary groups, and he is not playing games. He is taking people out. He's letting them know, and he's doing it in the most creepy and freakish way. Um, so, I and the art that sort of demonstrates the terror of the victim was it was bone chilling to me. I don't know, it just was. Um, I will say that this issue has really taken Virgil on a leap in that Virgil was new to his powers in season one and not quite sure, you know, exactly how to do things. Virgil has leveled up in this issue. He has, he's got a level, the character is written with a level of confidence um, and mastery of his abilities that I think is going to be really, really fun to watch and read through. So, um, yeah, this it's going to be interesting to see how things they, they touch a little bit on things that happen in the Blood Syndicate, but not really a whole lot. It just gives you a little bit of a context as to what they're saying about whether or not bang babies are safe, or whether they should be all rounded up, or et cetera, et cetera. You know the game. Um, so it, it's it's you know they're they're heading in a direction um, that I think is not one that we weren't aware of, but I, I didn't necessarily expect it to take this particular path. So it's interesting. So. And that is my uh, my lightning round. Black or brown? Yeah. Everyone in there be, was black. Yeah. Okay. But this uh, this might comicsology unlimited freebie whatever is going on <laughs> over there. That's, uh, no, that's okay. I'll I'll find a way. It'll come out eventually. But um, what you're saying, Snyder has been in that realm for so long that a breakout. If you think it's because of Jamal Eichel, whose art I've loved forever. And this strikes me. Do you ever read his Molly Danger book, the Kickstarter oh, he did way, way back? Love Molly Danger. Right? I know it. I haven't read it's, it. I it's in that vibe that, that maybe that uh, science tech lighter vibe, though, with the, with the younger character might be 
what what brought Scott Snyder out of the dark side. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, you got a talking corgi. Oh, <laughs> you got no. What could please, be better? Please, yes. He talking corgi. He's Sign like, run if you want to live <laughs> now. He's like, oh, by the way, let me ricochet myself at 96 miles per hour off this wall and kill these other guys. Oh, okay, sure, why not? Oh, okay, oh you're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> Love yeah, that's my top speed. Yeah. Uh, Are they still doing um, the milestone stuff on DC app infinite? No, it wasn't free. I, I uh, well, I didn't, I couldn't find it. I, I checked. Yeah, I was, I, I was yeah. just checking too. They really <laughs> teased us with that first season. Um, because I was wondering, I was like, why didn't I, why didn't I read these? And it's because they weren't there. Um, <laughs> But no, it's fine. I mean, I I will, I I love the books. I love the first season, so I definitely want to catch up with everything. Who's the artist on um the hardware book? Hardware is I got here. Hold on, is it Leon? No. See, Chris, I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> ask the artist. <laughs> Hold on, I have it right. Like, here. is it Give something we should know? Yes. Is it something <laughs> I do know? No, it isn't. I have it right here. I thought I had it written down, but I don't think I did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so here's everyone that's a creator writer, creative writer of the book. Reznor Hudlin, Leon Chills, Dennis Cowan, uh, Yasmin Flores Montanez, uh, I'm sorry, Montanez, yeah. uh, John Floyd, and Chris Sotomayor. Yeah, you mentioned the the hardware art, and I was like, is it Dennis Cowan? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I I I get it, but that to me is like kind of what Milestone looks like mm-hmm. to some degree for some of those like going back to like some of the '90s stuff and. I love it. I think it's I got it's got an edge to it. And I'm, I'm really into it. So. <laughs> so I looked on the app and they have an entire section called Milestone Returns that does not have a new comic in it. That feels. <laughs> yeah. they did, well, yeah, that's what they did for season one of everything. That's for like season one of everything was basically free. I see. I see. And okay. so, so they, they put like, all that out there. Like you said, the first hit is free. Everything else you have to pay for. <laughs> They were like, Milestone Returns. Here's all the stuff from the 90s. It's returning <laughs> to you. Yeah, yeah, it returns. We don't have it here, but it, it has returned. Just so didn't, they do, didn't they do all the first season of, or did they, I know they did most of the first season of, of Static. For Static's free. on here. No, Static, all of the first season stuff was, was, was free. Day yeah. and date yeah. on the app and in the bookstores. So like, that's, yeah. that's what's in this little thing that's like yeah. Milestone is back. But again, not, we don't have what's back, but we have the beginning of it. You can have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's that's, great. That's and uh, Vita's Static is fantastic. So I definitely want to read the opening the season two as well. There is a scene, I will say, of Rocky in this Swedish school where she's like, I will F a bitch up. <laughs> and i was like and there she is okay yep. <laughs> and uh yeah it's 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 i it, it's it's written like a subplot but i can tell this is going to become something a lot bigger uh, yeah but go ahead speaking of february uh marvel put out a um, another marvel voices last week too uh it was like wakanda centric um Ooh. i read it. it there were some cool stories in there there was one from juni ba that was amazing that that he uh wrote and illustrated which is pretty awesome but there were a lot of cool creators on that one um catch that one i gotta check it out yeah it was it was good i mean i i think they've done better marvel voices collections in the past but you know for wakanda stories it was interesting because like some of the stories felt they're, they're obviously like the eight page shorts obviously but some of them felt like incomplete Oh. even more so mm. than others. It was very interesting. 
um, to read. But the art and the the creators were really really cool, and I always loved the Marvel Voices books. Um, but you know, February. Mm, hey. Yeah, you got to do it. All right. <laughs> Shaza, damn. It's my turn. Your turn. We got here. Did, did you want to go first? Or did yeah, you Aaron, I'm going to go. I'm going to go last. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Maybe you wanted to go first. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I made Bob go first. <laughs> this is uh, this is radio. <laughs> he's right now what he's going to cut from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Very quickly. Nightcrawlers number one. Siberia and Paco Medina. This is another one of them. Since a sinister alt-universe tie-ins. Uh... This one has Sinister's private assassins. I'm reading from the solicit here. Ten years into a twisted future, Mr. Sinister unleashes his private army of assassins, the Legion of the Night. Meet Wagnerine. Commanding this killer crew of brainwashed hybrids, each one a genetic mix of Nightcrawler and another one of Marvel's most murderous mutants. Um... Yeah, you know, it's interesting if you've been reading Legion of X or, you know, I caught up with a lot of the Legion of X stuff during my AXE big reread. And there's been a lot going on with Banshee and like the Mother Righteous character and everything. So like in this far flung future where Sinister wins, um, this this spirit of Banshee character and Mother Righteous are trying to push back against Sinister and uh, the Banshee character learns that his scream can unsinisterize these certain <laughs> mutants that it's mutant things that that um, Sinister has been sending out to kill everybody and uh, yeah they start turning people back to the good side and, and making moves there's a big reveal as to the Mother Righteous character in this issue um, which I was shook by um, and I'm wondering I mean it must be it must be canon even though it is Sins of Sinister like it must be real uh, so we'll see how that goes for those that haven't been reading Cy Spurrier's kind of X books they, they do kind of feel off on the the, the periphery in all of their uh, for lack of a better term Britishness um, <laughs> yeah one would think so, yeah yeah so so but it, they are a ton of fun and there's a there's a ton of like great big reveals in here and the sins of sinister stuff we talked a little bit about it last time i was on um this is one of the fun parts of reading x books you know every couple of years there's this weird storyline that takes over the books for a couple of months um it was the Storm and the Brotherhood a couple of weeks ago, and this year, so this time is the Nightcrawlers. I think next week we have Immoral X Men, which should yeah. be a ton of fun. Hey, and um, we go back to my era. It's Days of Future Past or House absolutely. of M. I mean, it's it's a thing now for thirty five years. It's yeah, awesome. Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Yes, of course, and, and it's only for two three months. Um, I know Steve. Every time this happens, Steve is like, "But is it real?" And I'm like, "Steve, you've done this before. Like, we've done this together." He's like, "No, this isn't real." And I'm like, "Okay," uh, but I'm having a ton of fun with it. And as we kind of alluded to earlier, Sinister has under Kieran Gillen's pen um, when he was doing Uncanny about s- almost ten years ago now. At this point. Um, he really built Sinister up into the kind of posh cape wearing, uh, you know, cavalier uh, Casanova that he is today. Uh, and he's really 
playing with that character now as a, a, a legitimate big bad. Um, and I think the sins of sinister story is a great vehicle for that. Um, so I'm, I'm on board for any of these tie-ins. I will follow it for the next couple of months. And then once we get reset and we go back to Krakoa, I'm down for that too. So I'm just really enjoying the ride. Um, I also read Rockstar and Softboy go to space, baby. Cena yeah. uh, Grace. I read Rockstar and Softboy the first volume. Talked a little bit about it. I think during our best of, you know, Cena Grace. I've been following Cena for a long time, going back to Little Depressed Boy, way, way, oh, way, yeah. way, way back when. Um, and he went through Cena went through that like really, really dark phase when he was doing like personal memoirs over at Image that were like really really heavy and when you read them like you kind of felt like a part of your soul was gone you know like you're just like oh man and you know he had to work through that stuff he had to work through that stuff so that we could get here to soft boy and rockstar these two (laughs) magic wielding um queer people in la trying to you know, design video games and play rock music while also defending LA from giant kaiju magical creatures. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when their producer come boyfriends, um, come, you heard that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of avoid that, but okay. Yeah, go. No, I was picking up yeah. what you were putting down. Yeah. <laughs> producer, when their producer come boyfriends, when that, when those relationships turn sour and, uh, they get blacklisted from like every single venue, they're the venue brothers. So when they're blacklisted from every single venue, uh, there's only one venue left and that's literal space. Uh, yeah. so they go to space and, uh, that's literally what the book is about. <laughs> Rockstar's on point, go to space to go talk to the venue brother's mom. It's hilarious. There's a special cameo that they can't identify because of licensing and copywriting and <laughs> satir- satire. I, I think it's under fair use, but it is what it is. Um, a cameo on the moon. Uh, it's, it's a ton of fun. And like I said, um, Cena's had a lot of stages to, to the career and uh, where, where he is now is, is really cool. And, and I'm always down for the, the kind of fun he's having with the medium and the characters. It's, it's, it's really enjoyable. And um, you know, every time for the, the first rock star and soft boy volume as well. And with this one too, there's always a couple of panels where I'm like, Oh, he went with that, and 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 I'm like, you know what? Whatever, we'll we'll let it slide, or or, or we'll just roll with it. Because again, I think I think Cena's at a point in the career where he can just have fun with it. So, mm-hmm. Rockstar and Softboy go to space. Really, really fun um, volume there. And last but not least, I also caught the uh, season opener for the last and third season of Picard. Um, yeah, and this episode title, Bob. The Next Generation. Get it? Get it? Get it? Uh, So this starts with a distress call from Dr. Beverly Crusher um, off in deep space and just outside of Federation territory, obviously. Of course. (laughs) Always. Um, It's a warning. It's a request. And, of course, there's also a directive. No Starfleet, of course. And who picks up the message? Of course, it's picard sitting in his you know estate his his vineyard estate in 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 france and he's like oh god 
I'm like oh, well, I was five years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. He's like, I gotta, whoa. he's like trying to sell off his stuff. He's like, oh gosh, I can't believe I got to, you know, go off into space again. Um, Picard gets the message. He teams up with his former number one, William Riker, the original Ooh. space daddy, um, you know, and they're off on an adventure. And that's the first episode. Uh, there's a lot more um, like the two of them to get to deep space. They, hop on the oh my goodness the titan is that that's Riker's ship right i think the yeah. uss titan i want to say it yeah. might not be titan i might be making that up i sounds i right. believe you it sounds right too it sounds, it sounds right. right anyway yeah they, they hop on Riker's ship yeah they hop on Riker's ship who's got a new captain who's kind of a tool bag and like that's mm-hmm. all the drama of the first episode it's like Riker and picard being like okay guy do you know who we are <laughs> yeah. and this and this guy being like no i'm not taking you to deep space um it's it there's humor to it it's it's you know it's it's a lot of fun and it's this whole season um it's bringing back the next generation cast and to kind of give picard his and to give patrick stewart his kind of swan song season mm-hmm. um there is a uh kind of subplot like a b plot with rafi who's one of my newer favorite characters from the Picard um, mm-hmm. series. Yeah. But I got to say her subplot here is a little odd and I don't really know how it's going to fit in just yet. It was just the first episode, but um, as I've talked about on the show the last couple of years, you know, I'm new to Star Trek. And while I know that compared to, you know, the original series and the next generation and deep space and Voyager, there are some things that like these new paramount versions of star Trek do a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in terms of how it handles the action. But I gotta say, you know, as an entry point for me, discovery and Picard and strange new worlds, of course have been so fun. And I went back and I've watched every single movie and Bob and Carolyn sent me a list of next generation. episodes I got to work. Yes. So like it's I I'm so glad that like Star Trek I'm I'm in it now and Yay! I'm so glad that like my brother's Paramount account hasn't expired <laughs> because although I would get it to be honest but he's like I don't I don't have that account anymore and I'm like well Paramount thinks you do so <laughs> until until they come looking Paramount I hope you don't listen to this but anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Once, anyway, once they do, you can jump on mine. It's fine. It's Joy. fine. Yeah. No. No. Oh, that's we, so wonderful. We actually I'm... tangentially, uh, we cut the cord. We cut our cables, so we're all streaming. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Welcome I'm to the Star Trek fam. Yeah. Live long and prosper. Yeah, I love real. it. It's so I good, really right? Do. I get it. I was a I was a newcomer with the Chris Pine movies, which everyone complained about. But hey, it was yeah. an entry point, and now I'm like deep in it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh Chris, I, 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 I I've said this Chris before Pine. on the show. Um, my entry mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. September eighth, nineteen sixty six, the premiere of the first episode. My dad let love me it. stay up late. I love that. Was that the uh, like the original, the original first or was episode? That the syndication yeah. run? Yeah. No, yeah. first episode, first night premiere yeah i think i was probably i'm gonna say so probably somewhere like 75 or something like that was where i first run of syndication which was how everyone watched it really yeah i think that's right because i think at that point point i could see it every day is this the point where i casually drop that i've met will wheaton oh and now is he back i mean we've got his mom right do we get no will wesley did show up in yeah I, it's 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 spoilers, but not because it was a couple yeah. of seasons ago. Okay. But he yeah. did show up on Picard. 
He did. Good. Yes. Yeah. Good. And I popped. I popped, even though I was oh, like, yeah. I haven't watched this yet, but I was like, it's uh, weird as Wesley Crusher. Let's go. Because I've done the research, you know? I, but, yes. but, 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 I love we, Wesley Crusher. I know people have feelings yeah. about him, but he's one oh, of my absolute just favorites. They're just they are wrong. wrong. They're yeah. wrong. So Tasha Yar, do we get Denise Crosby? We don't know yet. It's only the first okay. episode. Okay. There's so... just no way. <laughs> Why not? Come on, Chris. No, I, w- I would love that to happen, but they yeah. haven't they swept Wait, her under she... the rug effectively? Did she, also... did she also die in this series? Or did they just write well, her off? She kind <laughs> of. Yeah, kind of. It's kind Star of. Trek. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Kind both, of. Timey, timey-wimey. Yes. Okay. yes. All right. Yes. All right. yes. Timey-wimey some, alternative it stuff. It was some not wanting to pay her bullshit, so they killed her off screen, right. basically. Right. It she gets eaten bullshit. by a tar monster or some nonsense. In, like, the Honestly, beginning of an episode. It's yeah. so dumb. Honestly, Bob, it's 2023. People forgive and forget. You never know. Swan song season for the next gen. Yeah. 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 Right. It's been a long time. Who knows what her paychecks are these days? It's 30 years yeah. Well, I can tell you because what's interesting, and don't don't come at me, I don't care. I occasionally watch General Hospital. She's starring on General Hospital. Now. Oh, is that what she's doing? Good for her. Why would any of us come at you? In what ground would we stand on? I said I watched like ten episodes of Riverdale earlier. So. <laughs> well, has Riverdale. Anyone, has anyone seen her the documentary she hosted, Trekkies? Mm. I did not. Oh, oh mm. that's, that's it's definitely on YouTube. But check it oh, out. Okay. It, they, she she walk goes around and talks to. Trek fans of all sorts and tries to gauge where fandom is, was going to whatever. And it was made 30 years ago, at least. Yeah. But it's still completely relevant. Yeah. Check it out. You you know, Bob, I, I finally finished the original cast films. Oh, wow. Um, Six, 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 six is a favorite. Yeah. That's Undiscovered Country, right? Undiscovered Country is all day, every day. I loved Undiscovered Country. It was great, especially after you do like the one that Shatner, (laughs) the one that Shatner directed previously with Cybok. Yeah, you're like, oh man, give me some good stuff. And Undiscovered Country was awesome. Um, and I watched the Generations one, and I and I remember seeing all of the Next Gen movies in the theaters for some reason. I guess my dad took me, but so like I'm good, man. I'm like vibing with Star Trek right now. Like I feel like I'm caught up. Here's the thing. I've, I've said this a lot over the years. My real problem with Generations, it's lovely at a certain level, hmm. but there's not enough consequence. I wanted, hmm. have you seen yesterday's Enterprise episode of Next Gen? So good. Oh. Right? Right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Help me That's out here. One of the best. If that was the crossover movie. <gasps> yeah. Wait, which episode was this? Yesterday's, yesterday's Enterprise. Enterprise. That's in like season three. It's like a yeah. way back one. It's so good. There's, oh there's some timey-wimey stuff, and all of a sudden, everything has changed in the next-gen universe. And oh, they get yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Okay. They get a message okay. from another Enterprise that's stuck in this war thing that is sort yeah. of like the JSA Armageddon Ragnarok thing. Yeah. Where so they bad. have to send them back to keep fighting this battle so the uh, the Federation will survive. Well, yeah. what if that story was now, okay, you have to send back Kirk and Spock and McCoy and that whole crew mm. over and over again to save the universe? There wouldn't yeah. be a dry eye in the house. Brilliant. I, was, I thought you were yeah. talking about when Scotty came back for that no. episode after they found him in the uh, trench. Oh, God, that yes. is so silly. <laughs> 
Generations did feel small. My favorite movie is the one with the whales, though. That's four, wasn't it? That's what four. a silly movie, and I just loved it. I love a silly Five movie. made no sense to me. That was a pointless movie. Five is the one with, with Cybok. That's yeah, Shatner like, directed. Now, uh, uh, he was overruled by the studio. A lot of things he wanted to do, they couldn't. Yeah, he wanted to do God. He, he wanted to do God. <laughs> what does God need a starship? And they went, how do we sell this in Georgia? <laughs> and they cut his movie apart and it's still going to be terrible but it might have been yeah. better who yeah. knows there is an absolutely hysterical book that Shatner wrote unintentionally hysterical I should clarify he for some reason was given permission to write a YA reboot of Kirk and Spock's story that oh, is boy. so accidentally gay it is hilarious <laughs> i was die- it also features like I, I literally read this like 10 years ago but it's seared into my brain it features a scene of kirk looking into a fishbowl and contemplating the universe and then having a deep conversation with a fish and i was just like this book is perfect i love it sign me up yeah. wow. but it is legit like why a romance accidentally and it's hysterical <laughs> That's incredible. Look this I have way. no and idea also, who let him do that. No idea. Unsurprising. I'm not going right? to lie. Unsurprising. It is. I'll find the net title of it for you guys because it's perfect. It needs to be appreciated. <laughs> talking oh, about, we, yeah, talking about put, police going to space. I was going <laughs> to yes. say, Rockstar and Softboy was so good. Oh, my God. Mm. That, it was so. I love the like queer platonic friendship of the two main characters. I feel like you don't right? get to see that much. Yeah, they, they're like the gay. Uh, Bill, um, oh God, Ted's excellent okay. adventure. Yes, I was right. All right, it yeah. sounded wrong in my head for some reason. <laughs> Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, just like going through his veins, being gay as fuck. I loved it so much. It's also very meta. I love all the references to comics they're reading. Oh and, yeah. Oh, it's so good. I loved yeah. it a lot. And yeah. inevitably now, it's only been two volumes, but inevitably, like one of the, the like conventions of a Rockstar and Softboy book is like mm-hmm. lots of butts. Yeah. You get lots of butts in <laughs> a Rockstar and Softboy book. Lots of butts. And you know what? Yeah. Be into it. Not not opposed. Yeah. <laughs> the the name of the book is Collision Course. I would <laughs> running if you all, Oh come on. You know. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> All right. What's your uh, What's your Spock and uh, Kirk platonic friendship book called? Collision Course. Okay. Collision Course. Is it, is it platonic? <laughs> Do you want to clarify that again? <laughs> it's called Sausage Party. Oh, yeah. It's called- <laughs> yeah. Collision Course. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ta- speaking about a collision course sausage uh, party. Whoa. <laughs> let's talk about. What's the movie called? Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania. Quantum Mania. So here's what we'll do. All right. All right. Okay. 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 Wait, we got to tell the people at home here. Uh, if you haven't listened to one of our film reviews, re- reviews before, here's what we'll do. We'll just do a quick around the table, spoiler free, and then we'll call a very clear one, two, three spoilers, and we'll mm. dive into as much as we want to dive into. Uh, and like I said, we'll let you know if, for our listeners at home when the spoilers are coming for people that haven't seen it yet. And, uh, you know, we always encourage people to see the film themselves and make their own opinions. Unless, of course, it's Morbius. Uh, it was yeah. 
Hey, I saw Morbius. Not, I saw not it. first run though, Joey. I was I sacrificed myself for this. I podcast. saw it. I was in the theater. I remember I was texting you guys the whole time when I was in that theater. <laughs> anyway, this is about Ant Man and the Wasp yes, Quantumania. It is. Yes, it is. It is apparently Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, directed by Peyton Reed. Uh, another three for director for the MCU after John Watts. Um, written by Jeff Love Loveness, right? Jeff Loveness. Uh, returning Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer as Scott Lang, Hope Van Dyne, uh, Hank Pym, and <laughs> Janet Van Dyne as well. Uh, Catherine Newton is taking over as an aged up Cassie Lang from Abby Forston Reed. Um, and of course, Jonathan Majols. As, <laughs> as uh, Kong, Kong, Kong the Conqueror, <laughs> Kang the Conqueror, a variant of Kang the Conqueror. The conqueror. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Joey, it's going great. Look, all right, so listen, we'll go around the table. Uh, um, I'm sure if you're reading the dirt sheets, you've seen some of the response to the film online already from you know the various websites and aggregates and all that stuff um but we'll go around the table quick you know general impressions and then we'll move on to spoilers here's what i'll say about this movie um i there were things about it that i really enjoyed uh particularly jonathan major's performance as kang i'm really excited to see where that goes and i'm sure we will have much more to say about him and his jawline in <laughs> the spoilers territory here um <laughs> we can't spoil how hot he is you're right yeah, we have to we wait can't spoil how hot he is um in this I film looked at his face yeah yeah and, then, and like they really hit you like during the trailers they're like also creed 3's coming out and you're like that's what that guy looks like without his gang costume on okay and then, but anyway um so so uh, there's a couple of things of it that i really enjoy and there's some parts of the premise of it that i really enjoy as well but my biggest criticism of the film is also the thing that kind of like colors my enjoyment of the film as well um which is you know kind of a a a made-up criticism of the mcu from like the early days was like all these movies are just previews for the next movie Mm -hmm. and you know like there are some scenes in some of those early mcu movies that like yeah they're not that good because they do feel shoehorned in like Mm -hmm. you know shirtless chris hemsworth in the pond in age of ultron you know like (laughs) there are some scenes like that do feel a little out of place because they are teasing something upcoming but they're always just kind of like one scene. For me, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania felt like a whole movie that was really anticipating what's to come. And to me, that was really to the detriment of the film um, overall and kind of my enjoyment of the film overall, which is kind of odd to say because I feel like the MCU films have always really done a good job of walking that line of like anticipating what's coming while keeping the stakes pretty high for the film that you're watching. And I didn't necessarily feel that balance in, in this movie. Um, I always liked seeing Paul Rudd, you know, and, and I always liked this cast. I watched the first two Ant-Mans and Endgame in anticipation of this. And it's really great seeing them all together again, but even for them, it felt like, like a filler movie before we get back to like their real stories. Um, and that was kind of a bummer for me and it did take me out of the, the film at points. Um, but overall, I think 
Jonathan Major's performance is is majorly awesome. And uh, I think it is something that did carry me through uh, some of the the lower points in the film. But I think we were talking about it off air. Not, I'm not offended by it. It's not bad. It's just kind of middling to me. Um, and I didn't really have anything that, that elevated it beyond that. Um, yeah. For me. Um, Aaron, what'd you think? So again, I'm going to actually fall in the same line, uh, side of the line as, as Joey on this one, only because you might recall when we were first getting the trailers and we were getting like the little snippets here and there, everyone was like losing their panties over it um, because it was just so like, like wide, you know, th- you know, they, they were giving you all the best visuals. And I, you might remember, I think it was a few weeks ago, I said something to the effect of, I just don't know if it's a movie that really fits you know, so much one thing about I said about Garlands of the Galaxy. I don't know if it's a movie that fits in the universe anymore. Um, and I never really felt like it was a, my top, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp was my top movie. So my expectations from that perspective were just to come in and sort of see a self-contained little caper, um, but not necessarily one that was going to be completely tied to any and everything. What I did find, though, was... My struggle came more so with characterizations um, and and sort of a disjointedness of sorts. I felt like the first, mm, I would say, 20 or 30 minutes of the movie where we are supposed to be seeing this family based on scenes we've seen, clips and stuff we've seen from other films or the, the, the group together, um, you know, sends this version of Cassie. Um, was that they are this super tight family. But the first 30 or so minutes of it was just, you know, exposition of how they've all lied to each other, <laughs> you know, of a, a variety of different things. Like no yes. one's being honest with one another. And I'm like, okay, this is not, it was jarring to me from the very beginning. Like as I'm sitting in the theater, I'm like, this is not, why would anyone want to be a part of this family? <laughs> yes. Like you literally can't believe a word that's coming out of anyone's mouths. So, you know, there was that. So that characterization was off. I didn't quite know what was going on with the Cassie-Scott relationship. So that kind of threw me off, and I don't want to spoil anything there, so I won't go into a lot of detail. Not yet. That that kind of... <laughs> such a weird yeah, voice, exactly. Joey. Exactly. Not yet. <laughs> so, Not yet. <laughs> but then also, here's, the, here's what's going to be really weird. The character that I really found myself enjoying standalone was Janet. Me too. Uh, I really find myself just enjoying her standalone. Like I would prefer to see just a Janet movie. Same. Um, Because I was like, all right, she, she did the things that she needed to do. She warned them. She, you know, all those things. She, she was just a, she was consistent from beginning to end, you know, mm-hmm. from my perspective. Um, so yeah, it was the characterizations that sort of threw me off. The story, in and of itself, I it, it sort of had some 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 odd little directions that it took. <laughs> I don't know if it earned the sort of wide sweeping. I know it was trying to give you this sort of giant all-encompassing story that has scope and range, but I don't know if it earned it. And I think it's because the previous two were not that. Mm -hmm. The previous two were 
self-contained stories that had hooks that proved that it was part of the same universe, but were not integral to that story's completion. And this was really just trying to be a lot of things um, Mm -hmm. all at once. And that kind of, I kind of struggle with that. Now, because I came to this, not, you know, with dry panties unlike others, um, I Jesus Christ! <laughs> Your mom's listening, Aaron. Yeah, Hi, Aaron's mom. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, because I came to it with with that level set uh, expectation, I I just sort of let it go and just said, okay, let's just see if we can just enjoy the visual. Let's just you know the way you used to watch cartoons when you were a kid and you didn't really know what they were about. It was just funny to see the things fall on each other and, and make you laugh. You know, all that stuff. So I just sort of disconnected my brain from that perspective and just looked at the shoot 'em up, bang 'em up visuals. Okay. And because of that, it didn't offend me. Again, I, it's not a movie I'm going to rush back to see, I, but it didn't offend me. And I wasn't like there was something egregious about it. It was just, you know, that was, it was, I hate to say it, but it sort of fell in the same space that the previous two fell for me. Sort of, they're there. Yeah, they have this character. This character is Marvel. What's the next movie? Right. So, um, Chris. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of that, except that I was actively offended multiple times by this movie. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> we'll get into that. This movie. Uh, it's not as bad. Like I've had a. I'm going to say the thing again, and Joey, I know I'm wrong. I know. But I have really had a hard time with phase four. I know this is phase five, but let's be honest. Did it feel we'll different in any way than phase, phase four? I would say anything post infinity, like the new saga, even. I think that I think there's a really it's been a really challenging it's thing been to rough. get into. Yeah. I hated No Way Home violently and with a passion. Uh Multiverse of Madness was at least like enjoyable even though i hated the plot and everything it stood for and thinks it think it set feminism back 30 years um (laughs) (laughs) but this one like i hated not as strongly as those but hated in a like sad way because i i knew it could have done better i was like disappointed not mad you know um and i you know i love the ant-man and wasp ant-man is a fine movie it's like there i kind of don't remember much of it but ant-man and wasp was one of my favorites like that was a fun it was a heist it was a small contained story which i feel like the mcu forgets that are kind of fun sometimes and they get are getting away from and then they were like what if we did not do small or contained or a story And they did this instead. So I didn't like it at all, but I will say Michelle Pfeiffer needs to be in action movies. Like that's what I've decided. I would watch her do anything. Like let's do Atomic Blonde, but like later years, like let's do it. She could be Charlize's mom. I know, or yeah. she could be Charlize in like years, right? Like oh, yeah, she okay. could be like the grown up Charlize. Charlize is just older sister. True. Honestly, all I want to see, I want to see her, you know, kicking butt. I want to see her taking names and I want to see her fucking all the men just like maybe she does (laughs) this movie. Um, I was, I was like, yes, that was amazing. And then everything else happened and I will get into it in spoilers, how little I liked most every plot point in this story at all. Uh, But please, God, MCU, it's okay to have a small story. I promise it's okay. You don't have yeah. to make everything epic all the time because yeah. you're not going to succeed at it all the time. 
<sighs> yeah. And and they don't only have to be on TV. And I think that that might be mm-hmm. something to your point, which is just yeah. like, oh, we could save our small stories for TV. And it's like, yeah. no, like what makes those Ant-Man movies fun is like they're small yeah. capers. They're small, but like with full of heart. And mm-hmm. like, I think this lacked both smallness and being full of heart, unfortunately. Yeah. But you're right. I like the phase four shows amazing like without fail all of them were great the phase four movies with the obvious exception of shang chi and uh wakanda forever are just bad and it's sad to me yeah well i have a special place in my heart for eternals but i think of the I, only oh, person sorry. in the I, honestly, world <laughs> no 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 i like eternals too i honestly forget that one's phase four because it feels separate from everything but yes you're yeah. right um Bob, yeah. final thoughts, and then we'll jump into spoilers. I think we're all in, in sort of the same place. This is this is a movie that I think is the whole is less than the sum of its parts. There are yeah, great performances, well right? There are neat ideas, and again, I agree. This is Michelle Pfeiffer's movie to me. Oh yeah, and that's that's wonderful. I, and Michael Douglas has a moment late in the movie that it's like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm digging that a lot, and. Rudd's good and Catherine Newton's good and Evangeline Lilly's good and it's a neat <laughs> idea and yet how do all these things not combine into something that I didn't feel anything for anyone except Michelle Pfeiffer mm-hmm. it, it's all sort of empty and the first two were not the first two were just we're, we're all saying full of heart lots of fun and just enough stakes you felt like something here we have we have a villain's motivation that is, I'm mad at other people because they did me wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's that's not good enough. It's not what we saw in Loki. No. And I wanted more, and we get some of that, and his performance is wonderful when given the, the, the good things to play. There are smaller moments where he's sitting looking like Kang from the comics in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Just sort of hanging out, and it's like, I'm going to say this and this, and... Uh, you're going to listen because I have power without having to blow everyone to smithereens, which we get to eventually. It's like, eh, mm-hmm. eh. Um, the world's built. I mean, after the first 20 minutes, we're in the quantum realm, which there are 12 or 13 different effects houses doing this. Some of it looks great. Mm-hmm. Some does not. <laughs> all of it, it kind of looks like the third act of a DC movie. It's brown and uh, yeah, orange not- and bleh. Well, they, okay, but they, they start in uh, Strange World, <laughs> the Disney movie that just okay. came out. Yeah. It looks just yeah. like Strange World for like five seconds. And I was like, this is pretty. And then we're suddenly in a barren wasteland immediately after that. I was like, yeah. where did the pretty go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. <sighs> so I liked were- it. Oh. But yeah, liked it, didn't love it. Um, revisit it? No, I won't go see it a second time. Will mm-hmm. I buy it? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard because, like I said, it's it's hard to take a franchise, not the MCU. I'm talking about the Ant Man movies mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that started, like everyone's saying here, as these like heist films that were very kind of genre specific, but small, character driven, heart filled kind of like look at this family, and then try to make that film franchise the vehicle to launch yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. next part of this like universe spanning mm-hmm. saga. And I'm not saying that I don't think it could. I'm saying that it was just a it was a 
it was an interesting choice <laughs> and I don't know if it panned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to your point, Bob, I think to some degree, the, the lack of success in that arena kind of negatively impacts this franchise because i mm-hmm. think that this film doesn't feel like an ant-man movie Mm-mm. and it's funny like once this movie like once opening weekend happened everyone in the movie was like yeah we're really excited for ant-man 4 hopefully we can get back to the story and it's like <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> so, like yeah and it's like, it's like yeah we've already knocked around some ideas hopefully we can make it a little bit smaller and i'm like yeah you oh, know boy. i think it's like you do feel it it does feel like a movie that is meant to showcase Jonathan Majors, which yeah. again, I think it does well. And, and I think if you're going to see that, which, Hey, you know, some people might, um, <laughs> yeah. you do, you do get a lot of it, of him. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else kind of general impressions before we, uh, uh, jump in here? Uh, it, no. it, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty bad MCU movie and a pretty terrible star Wars movie, which is what it really looks like the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, the the whole like, uh, well, you know, there's like a, there's a little rebellion in it, you know, and it's like, yeah. I've seen this. Um, there's like a whole yeah. portion in a cantina and I was like, I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> is is that White Lando there? <laughs> Here's how the guy, I had a writer from the, the spectrum of my friends. I have some friends that are so deep in the weeds of the MCU that... You know, if you if you try to bring a story to screen and you don't use the the exact text in the comic, they will rage, you know, rage against the patriarchy or whatever. But then I got others that are just like, I don't know any of these characters from Adam. I'm just going to see the movie because they are, you know, fun, you know, superhero movies. So I, I, I try to look at it from all those eyes. If you're on that the later half of that spectrum where you're not invested in the 70s Kang or the, you know, the 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 through line, you know, of a phase, or even that, you know, you don't even know that there are phases. <laughs> to the MCU, you'll probably enjoy this movie. You'll, yeah. you'll probably go in yeah. and see lots of bright colors and superhero be, stuff. And, yeah. You know, and all clear, that jazz. There, are, are, there are things to enjoy about mm-hmm. it, but I think what I we're kind of getting to here is that, something about the scope of it, something about what it tries to do. It just, yeah, yeah it works, it works against the characters. Yeah. yeah what yes. we expect from these characters. Yeah. And it's hard too, because it's like, well, you know, you got to review this movie for what it is, but, and I think Steve said this in the chat at this point, we're 30 movies deep and we've, we've mm-hmm. experienced these characters before. And, and there is an expectation yeah. that you go into with these. And, um, it's but it's not hard with these, sometimes. Not yeah. with these characters. When I'm talking yeah. about these specific characters, these specific characters are completely set apart from the rest. Of it. Also, almost to the point that when they show up in the other movies, it's it's almost out of place. Yeah, it's like usually, those scenes usually in, in, in it's Endgame. usually funny. Yeah, that's yes. what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's a joke when they show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's yeah. sort of just like okay, but yeah, if you're not someone who's invested in all in anything we've just said for the last ten minutes, then you'll probably yeah. enjoy parts yeah. of these movies. Yeah, I will say well, I went to see it with the group, and everyone but me liked it. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I was oh, yeah. I felt I felt insane until I looked at our group chat and was like, okay, <laughs> so it's yeah. not just me. No. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there's many many things that we want to. Mm-hmm. Deconstruct. So oh, we'll boy. get into spoilers okay. now. Spoilers for Ant Man and the Wasp. 
Quantumania <laughs> in three, two, one. All right, I have one thing I want to say, and then we can talk about Jonathan Majors as much as we want. In the first two movies, <laughs> is it not established that you have to have the helmet on to grow and shrink? I thought so. Right? Like, they like sure you don't do it in this. No, they it's do to, not. It's to, it's to keep you from uh, asphyxiating, dying, or whatever. Yeah, right? I don't think you need also- it's. it's it's the they regulator that shrinks you, but yeah. They Got also you. established that it's really hard to go that big and it can kill you, but man, it didn't seem that tough this time. Well, maybe because they're in the <laughs> quantum realm, they're not they're actually that big. Big. They're big in relation <laughs> to the little people. Yes. Oh, interesting. Uh, I thought the same thing though, Chris. At one point. I thought I anyway. had to stop, but I thought they worked that out at some point. I can't remember why. If, I feel like they worked that out after it was after the second one. I, I, I believe you, and I'll, I'll no, let that no, be true. No, because doesn't he? Sure, doesn't he? Fall, wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Falls, he falls on the dock after he grabs yeah, the Yeah, that's the second ball. one. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I thought it was it's, after. I thought they figured out what the issue was. You know, maybe yeah, he's but, just been doing a lot of cardio. That's. Why. But then, how can his daughter do it? Well, my other favorite thing about Cassie <laughs> is that like she's got the full suit, but it's just like boot covers, and she has her Converse on. Uh, like, she does. Like, it's, it's it's hilarious. I, look, sure. I I um I love the Cassie Lang character, and I thought Catherine yes. Newton is fine. Again, my problem she with the movie really yes. is like what you say. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Joey. Oh, I'm wary of her. <laughs> yeah, I my problem with the film. We kind of talked about it in the general. T- comments is like the function of this movie isn't to explore Mm-mm. Scott or Cassie or Mm-mm. Hank or, Hank and Jan. or <laughs> Janet. Like it's to, it's to introduce K- Kang as a really threatening kind of villain. And it's to like have some fun in the quantum realm. And like, really it did feel like all these threads again, as someone who like watched one and two and Endgame mm-hmm. over the weekend, I was like, oh, okay, like these are the threads. These are the characters. Like this is where we're going. Mm -hmm. And then like you get a little bit of that in the first 20 minutes, but then it's like quantumania for the whole time. And it's, it's, which again, it does a good job of like setting up Kang as like an interesting, complicated character. Who's like, let's see what happens with this guy. But it did feel like all of our other characters, including Cassie, who like, like just you're halted you're halted at the beginning and you just kind of go on this adventure and like now, once we're done yes. maybe we'll pick up i'm gonna I'm gonna disagree just a little bit as okay. as our characters split into their two little groups as they explore different parts of this the hank hope jan side of things there's so much going on with michelle pfeiffer's performance oh, particularly yes. that that i was so captivated by that and as you said before, Joey, she had to do what she had to do for 30 years. Well, you know. Yeah. Oh, Which, yeah. She sure yeah. did what she had she to do. She sure did. She you sure did. You know what I'm saying? She did it and she good did. for her. Yes, exactly. Okay. And that, that, that. 30 years. That's not a. It, it grew her character in a way I wasn't expecting going in. Yeah, yeah I agree. She, um, I, I, Michelle Pfeiffer's great. She is. I, and I want to compliment her forever, but can we first shit talk Cassie? Not the actress. She's a child. The writing. She is the most teenager written by a boomer <laughs> adult character in the MCU. She Since was euphoria. like, on the TikTok, I learned oh. about uh, culture stuff, and I'm going to tell you, Dad, and don't be a dick, guy. And I was like, good God, stop talking. 
For some yeah. reason, Hope Van Dyne was written more like a teenager than Cassie was, as Hope spends the whole movie whining at her mother. Her mom, yeah. yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, that's how you write a teenager. I don't like it. I wish she would stop, but at least she sounds like a teenager. Oh, wait, she's a 30-year-old woman. Yeah. But, but she's been separated from her mom for all those years, so I'll give her a pass. Only I will not give she's... her a pass because okay. she has had a lot of development since then. Not with I'm her mom. Not with, not with her mom, though. She's working through her teenage <laughs> angst. Yeah. I'm going to say to you. Yeah, go ahead, Aaron. If uh, where some things didn't make sense from a reaction perspective. Because if I am sucked into a new world, a new money, my uh -huh. first and only thought is how do I get out of here? Yes. Mm -hmm. Number one, the time they spent with this whole, tell me what what you did. Tell me what you Tell me the thing. No, I will tell you You're right. this is not when the we time. are back in the real world. But if I am... We're having a cappuccino with Frisco, who, yeah. Right. But if I am the only person of the five of us who spent 30 years here and I am anxious and scared to get out, then you should just follow my lead. Yeah. Listen to her. Yes. And, just, yes. and let's get out. And then I will answer all your questions yeah. out there. No, tell me not. Listen, fine. You stay here then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we will mourn you. When we are back up on the real world. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. But you're not making any sense. It's hard to because like it, it did feel so much like a setup film. Even like the stakes of everything, like yes. it's it's weird when you have a movie where like a rebellion is the C plot. You know, like like don't even get me started. Actually, get me started. Just not yet. Go ahead. Yeah, like that's yeah, like, we'll, like, build, we'll build to you. Like this, those characters, you know, are very interesting. Played by some great actors, and and. Um, the, the Micronauts thing that they mm -hmm. were doing with the, mm -hmm. the, the rebellion mm -hmm. and uh, like the spaceships and like again really interesting designs and really cool thoughts and everything um, but again it, it felt so tertiary to what, what mm -hmm. the film really wanted to be about. to accomplish yeah right which is which is the family uh drama which is what the the, the, the series has been about so mm -hmm. it, it did just feel like another added element that distracted and it, it like the movie itself just has a lot of moving parts that never really really click like even the moment where you have like the trippy cgi where it's like let's send scott on a heist to go get the thing yeah. and it's like haha it's a callback to the first two films um but even that was just like, wait, we're doing a heist now? Like, it was no planning. <laughs> no, a heist, a heist movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I, having guessed it on, on Stephanie's Capercast, I mean, there's a yeah. whole thing caper, caper versus heist, so on. Yeah. But here, there's no real planning. There's no anything that makes it interesting in, in the yeah. way the first two were wonderful in that. Yeah. Part of that was Michael Pena too. I have to yeah, say, yeah, sure. I did was, miss those yeah. characters, yep. and, so and my my biggest concern, and then Chris, you can go off. Is uh, <laughs> we, we built oh, you no. to. Yeah. At the end, at the end of the film, and we haven't even talked about Kang yet. But at the end of the film, there, like, I'm, I was like, finally, like, there's some payoff and some stakes when you think that Scott and Hope has now been reversed, and Scott <laughs> and Hope are left in the in yeah. the like, micro world. Right? It lasted 38 seconds. I know, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, finally, this film is taking a big swing. And it didn't. And I was like, okay. Did you see so that that is apparently a reshoot? 
I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was supposed to end there, and then they edited it to give it that really shitty happy ending. Yeah, which is a a real bummer because, again, it just like reasserts for me that this film really does not. It didn't move our characters, our heroes, rather. It didn't move our heroes forward in any meaningful way. Um, so it gave us a little placeholder. Yeah, yeah. It gave us crap. a little backstory. It fleshed out, you know, Janet for us. It, it introduced Cassie Shore, um, and it kind of like reasserted a relationship that we've already kind of bought into with Scott and and Hope. Um, and it gave Michael Douglas some things to growl about. But <laughs> oh, but uh, I'm Michael Douglas in, in real life. So yeah, I growl. Yeah. You growl a lot. Yeah, no, 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 he was just like when he was just like. There ain't Scott. I was just like, oh, every time, every time he says it, I love it. But um, but like when 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 they when they just like rescued them immediately with the thing, I was like, okay, this film had no interest in kind of like being anything other than this kind of placeholder setup film as a as a whole thing, which again kind of takes some of the stakes away. Doesn't necessarily take away any of the adventure and and fun that I'm sure you know audiences can have with this movie. But it did take away some of the stakes and impact mm-hmm. for me and some of the heart, which I think is is what, really what our criticism right. comes down to. Right. You do want to feel that heart with these characters having grown through two movies and their appearances and other things. And I oh, it's awful to say this as someone who feels everything. I, I watch commercials and get weepy. Sure. I, I, I kind of didn't feel anything about anything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Same. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, that's cool. That was me a lot. In the movie. I was like, oh, that looks cool. Or like, haha, Michael Douglas has to put his hands into these worms to fly this plane. That's cool. Oh, look, Bill Murray. Like there were moments where I was oh, like, this Bill is Murray. fun. But, but like I said, I think we're, you guys have nailed it on the head, which is just like it lacked that heart. It lacked that piece that really carried these films in the first two um two pieces for the majority of this movie i don't feel like michael douglas had to be there but then i realized he had to be there for for the sole purpose of it making sense that janet was there um, <laughs> and but, to play uh, deuce x uh character deuce, right? deuce x. <laughs> well that end Man, sequ- Man, that's Man, my no. favorite moment in the movie it was yeah, really it, cool. It was really great when it first happened in Lord of the Rings, exactly the same way. Um, Gandalf did. And in were the writers of Rohan. And a million other movies in the fifties and forties. No, yeah, it's a whole but thing. It was but literally scene for scene, the light shining over the mountain. Go back and watch the scene in Lord of the Rings and tell me they didn't just straight up jacket. Yeah, but John, John John Wayne stood there too and so did, you know, Randolph Scott and Gary Cooper yeah. and whatever. But, you know, but I'm, I'm just saying all the best things in this movie they took from somewhere else. To your point, uh, Chris, agreed, too, agreed. it's interesting because like if those beats had happened in the first two films, yeah. it would have been a kind of like wink irony nut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Here I think it was treated with like like look he's saving the day and it it didn't have that kind of like underdog charm or mm-hmm. kind of sense of witty irony that like a Paul Rudd film usually yes. has. Right. So there there would that, be the line right it's the ants. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. 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 But I will say though the ants did do one thing well which was it tore some of Kang's clothing and you saw that as, cut. As we did. Well, yeah. You saw that that shoulder very cut important. on that right arm, which which was very impressive when he came back. Um, uh, so Kang, so Kang. Wait, okay, wait. Oh, hey, Chris, I'm sorry. Chris, Go ahead. We have to give Chris her 
rant. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you. Okay. You you led into it quite well, Joey, because this is not the Paul Rudd movie you show up to see. They take Ant-Man, who is very much so not the ego-driven character, the one the only non-MCU ego-driven character. And they make him an egomaniac at the beginning that only cares about writing and apparently doesn't help save the world anymore. It's not in character for him. Like, that's not who he is. And then when you have him go into this world, it's supposed to be this arc of like, he realizes he needs to help people again. Except the argument he makes where he is like, hey, we just got here. There's a lot of complicated political shit coming and going. Maybe we don't know what's going on is right. (laughs) I was like, no, but he's correct. And his little psycho daughter is like, no, be a white savior. That's what we need you to be right now. (laughs) Jump in, save these like people. We don't know what's going on. We don't even know who the good guys or bad guys are, but they are the first people we talk to. So let's help them out. (laughs) What are you doing? Are you kidding? He was absolutely right. He should not have gotten involved in that at all. Well, part of... Sorry. Yeah, part of the Ant-Man character that I love is like Ant-Man's always like, but do we have to? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm just yeah. a little guy, you know? So yeah, you're right. To be like, and I, I that that vibe is there, right? Like the, yeah. the white savior, the, like the sa- yeah. like the outside savior is there. The revolution succeeds because Michael Douglas rolls in and he's like, that and Scott. Yes. <laughs> so it's like you introduce all these really interesting characters who seem to be doing very interesting things, but none of it can succeed without our two men basically yeah. stepping in and solving it. And I was just um, like, God. Well, Janet does kick some butt. But she kicks them up, but her goal is not to help the revolution. She She's like, saving her own butt. You're right. You're I gotta right. say, I was bummed. I didn't see her suit up or do anything. No. The, like, yeah, like hang oh. You know, I get it. Like Cassie's like, I got a suit, and I'm like, I mean, give Janet and Hank a suit too. Like, let's have she some fun. Yeah. She just had that one scene in the flashback where she still had her suit. Yeah. Um, when she turned the thing small or yeah. big, rather. Yeah. Um, yeah. <sighs> anyway, like I think, yeah, the, the main takeaway for our like heroes is mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it was theirs in a lot of ways. <laughs> and when they did have to do things, it didn't feel like something that they should have done. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so and there were character like deaths and stuff for people we literally never learn the names of. And you're like, okay, this seems like it yeah. would be really impactful. If laser face, laser face. Oh, like, I loved him. He seemed like a character that existed. Would have been cool to learn his name at all. Yeah, they totally Stranger Things that guy. You know, they did like, Stranger Things that guy. Good um, lord, they did. So we got two villains in this film. Yeah. What'd you say, Aaron? I was gonna say it would have been great. I'm thinking about it now. To just ha- not have this be a part of the Ant Man and the Wasp trilogy, just yes. literally have there be a Wasp movie. Yes, Janet. Yes, giving you the Kang background. Yes. Um, wow. Picks up where, Wasp picks up where the that <laughs> final credit, you know, and all the it other stuff, been, and it um, creates that connective yeah. tissue for all the other the rest of the MCU. And it's it like this, been, is, this is what happened, you know, in that thirty years that gives you 
backstory mm-hmm. because I think Michelle Pfeiffer is yeah. an actress who deserves that type of yes. <laughs> weight yeah, their story and was focus in so a movie. Romantic, like it yeah. was romantic. Yeah. It was powerful, and it was only in flashbacks, which makes it immediately less powerful. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, like, you're so right. Literally, just have it be called the Wasp. She has her suit. She has all those yes. things. She's leading this revolution. It's like, hey, if you want to use the de aging for a couple of years, quite honest with you, I didn't think she needed that much de aging. No. To be no. honest no. with you, because no. I think she's, still she's stunning. Yeah. Um, mm. So, if you want to de age it a little bit, just to give you the thirty years back, mm-hmm. start do the. This is how she spent just the dye her hair blonde. She'll be fine. Battling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. battling this thing. You know, for you know, until she got out, and they lead right yeah. up to the point of her seeing yes. the beacon and, and finding her way out. And that's that's, how that's, the that's the some galaxy brain right there, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Thank you, Eric. You're so right. There's a you, there's you a version it. of this film you didn't where fix like it. yeah, the most interesting parts are Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, Janet mm-hmm. and Jan- Michelle Pfeiffer. No, uh, yeah. Janet and Hope reconnecting meaningfully. And introducing Cassie, you have a three, you have three generations Mm -hmm. of this family that you could center this whole movie around. Mm -hmm. And you could have Scott and Hank out in the real, in like the real world being like, we need to get my daughter back. There I am, Scott. You know, like that. You need to get my wife back, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, Anyway. You're so right. If only Evangeline Lilly was uh, able to be on set often enough to actually be in this movie (laughs) and not just in COVID quarantine the whole time as... It was so obvious how little she was there. <laughs> um, I have a question yeah. of, pro- of, of, you know, just practicality. Yeah. Why did no one think that other suits should come with wings? I. Why is it there's still no wings? That's so wild. Well, because <laughs> you're themed. They're themed. Yeah. They're themed? <laughs> they're he themed. could be a flying ant. That's a thing, right? He flies yeah, on an ants have wings. You know, what did he, he says in the second movie, he's like, Paul Rudd's like, well, you didn't give me wings or a blaster. And okay. Hank's no. like, yeah, because you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. um, Fair. Fair. Uh, so we had both Modoc and uh, um, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror in this film. Um, here's what I'll say about the return of... Corey Stoll as Modoc. Uh, I'm 100% here for it, and I love yeah. anything Corey Stoll is in anytime. He when he he when he is able to chew the scenery, he is amazing. And when he is able to chew the scenery as a giant head with tiny arms and legs, <laughs> he is even more amazing. Yeah. And I love that. There's that moment where like um, he he like after they capture Scott Lang and Cassie. Uh, like Modoc rose up and he's like, I did it, Kang. And Kang just like throws him against the wall and he's like, Don't speak to me. I'm like, yes. Oh my God, this was worth it. Like, I would even watch, like, you're talking about a Wasp TV show. The I would Modoc? watch the Modoc Kang happy hour show. Oh my God. Where it's just Jonathan Majors just like bullying Darren Chris. Yeah. Uh, what, if, what if you did uh, Kang and Modoc like uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Did it a talk show. Yeah. I would I would love the like him just quietly being like, I used to have Michelle Pfeiffer and now I have this man. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it would be so funny. I, I, I loved it. And I know again it's a departure from the canon, the comics character, but it fits with the storyline and like I said, it, it's it was a hammy part of a film that needed a little bit of humor. And I, I was there for really it. Did. Um, He's almost the only humor in it. 
when you consider really the first is. two movies. What he's like, what he's like. At least I go out as an Avenger. This guy's like, yeah, sure, yeah. The like, yeah, best scene in the whole film. Sure. Aaron, were you the one that brought up, like, is Scott actually an Avenger? Or is he just walking around That's saying, why I was saying it? Is he just saying it? Because <laughs> no. was there ever an induction situation? I mean, I yeah, he fought next no. to them. But there was a bunch I, of folks that fought next to them. Yeah, well, you know, like, he, he, fight, he fights at the, at the airport in Germany. Against right. the Avengers. Yeah, well, he's sort of like a second Cap, stringer. Hey, we Cap just need somebody say, with powers. Cap does say Avengers assemble, but this means that there is some random guy from, you <laughs> know, <laughs> like, yeah. Or, or, I love or, the or idea the, of Right, from, yeah. Yeah, Camartage or New Asgard, who's also just yeah. like, damn it, Scott beat me to my Avenger book. <laughs> <laughs> You, absolutely, there's somebody walking around out there that's like, yeah, I'm an Avenger. You can't prove I'm not. All the people who could say I'm not are dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Scott gets a real book. They get a self-published, unbound version, right? Right. <laughs> the Kickstarter. Um, anyway, we haven't talked about Kang, but I'm sure you can glean from our conversation. We love like, He's the the. Oh my god! Jonathan Majors is just. It is the year of. It is the year of John Burkle. It is the year of Jonathan Majors. You know that's <laughs> yes. That's our two favorite Johns. Two favorite Johns. Um, <laughs> he's an amazing actor. I, I going back to when I watched Last Black Man in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and you know Lovecraft Country. Like anything oh, yes. he's in, he's just so riveting, and sh- like shades and layers mm-hmm. to to the character. Mm-hmm. And here too, like you feel his hurt, you feel his rage, mm-hmm. you feel his jealousy, you feel his um, pain, and the the post credits too. Just gonna like, go there. Okay, go for it. You, Let's go. You <laughs> realize. Yes! I know, like, you realize that, like, Jonathan Majors is just here to have a good time. And, like, he's just literally doing whatever he wants. And, like, the accent he's doing and everything, it's like, what are you, what is this? But I'm here for it, you know? Yes. Speaking of that. Oh God! Speaking of that post credit, did I scream out loud when I saw Loki and Mobius? I did in the yes. theater. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I wasn't the it was so funny. Timely, which is from, yes. actually it's from the I, real. It's from the books. I feel is no, it annual twenty twenty one. I don't. Know, I'm sure, yeah, but yeah. When they had uh, Ramatut and the the um, what's his the the what's the his? Scarlet Centurion. What's the other one though? The Immortus. When Immortus. They had Immortus okay. And the three of them, and I was like, I know this. I know these are variants of Kang. And then they pan out, and you see the Council of Kangs. And I was like, there's no way they're going to do the Victor Timely version. And then they did it with Loki and Mobius. And I was like, this makes so much sense. Like, that is, again, like, that's the thing about this movie that works. Like, the Kang stuff works. And the Kang stuff with Janet works. Works. And he was working. Am I right, Aaron? Yes. High five. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. All right. I feel like we need to just give Aaron the floor. Please. <laughs> Thirst on Maine. <laughs> Listen. That whole fight. I will say this. There is something about, this is one of the things that was incongruent about the movie. There yeah. was something about his performance that was just so solid and mm-hmm. committed even to the points where it was over the top, but real and focused throughout. So then to do all of that throughout, still be fine, but do all of that throughout and then get to, like I said, the Council of Kings and have all of those versions and, and just see almost unrecognizable as individual Kangs. Mm-hmm. Like that's how good he did it. Just that 
that committed to it, I was just like, yeah, yeah, they really could have just. They could have just, yeah, he was basically too good just for this movie. wound this down. I, I, I doubled down on my, my wasp yeah. synopsis earlier. I just, I, that's, that'd be great. It's hard because you reached that word incongruent. And I think you're right. Like there's a way to do this movie where Scott Lang is always just like weirded out by everything, you know, like mm-hmm. when yeah. he, like when, when like, this isn't his world. Yeah. Like right. when he's like legit fish out of water every time, as opposed to trying to be this like revolutionary hero, which like he's <laughs> not. And that he's should not, not be the storyline that you try to tell here. It he's the be Baskin Scott Robbins Lang. guy, right? Exactly. Yeah. It should be Scott Lang trying to be like, I'm just a guy that punches things and gets big and small talking to literally Kang, the conqueror, like the and yes. let Jonathan majors do this like chewing the scenery grandiose like shakespearean machiavellian character and you juxtapose that with you know blue collar ex-con scott lang just trying to get his daughter out of dodge and that movie works but i think what this movie tries to do is like position scott like it spends too much time trying to make him hank it, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's too yes. much time trying yes. to make the Scott Lang character and franchise almost worthy of Kang, mm-hmm. and it it shouldn't have done that. It should have Do- recognized the incongruity mm-hmm. and played that. Do we all agree that it was kind of bullshit that Scott won at the end? <laughs> I was like, no. he didn't beat Kang. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He didn't beat I Kang. mean, he didn't, but also like he kind of did, and I was like, he shouldn't have done that good. I'm sorry. I, was I still stand by. I still stand by. Scott should have bit. Should have kicked yes. the bucket at I mean, the end of this movie. I don't think I wanted him to die, but I think he should have lost. Like that would have been a fitting. They should have. Well, 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 again, if they're left behind in the quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's it's what just, we needed. The we five needed minutes at the end, you're right. That just <laughs> fuck it over. But it, yeah. it really feels weirdly triumphant. I know he didn't really win, but it feels weirdly triumphant. And I'm like, no. yes, that was yeah. my problem. Yeah. Does, that isn't, like, isn't it, uh, we're all over each other here, but isn't it the line, <laughs> didn't, I, didn't I kill you before? Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to see that because when the, there's a, a, a clip in the trailer where he's stomping on Ant-Man's face. He does oh. that in the movie. Right, right, but... What if he kills an alternate reality Ant-Man? Well, he says he's killed many cool. Avengers. Right, but That's if, if we had gotten yeah. to see that, would oh, that gotcha. have amplified gotcha. everything? Yeah, yeah probably. I, I, it would have been a good death fake out to, have, to see yeah, yeah. another Scott die. I would have been okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Star absolutely. Trek too, when Spock dies in yeah. the first five minutes. Yeah. It's it, spoilers. It, it, the, the, Sorry. <laughs> 40 years ago, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. We were okay with the one from the 1920s, but this is too <laughs> recent. Too soon, Bob. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Chris, I, I think you I think you nailed it on the head. Uh, the movie at the end is too triumphant. Uh yes. for a film that is trying to position its trying to position its new big bad and trying to you know, acknowledge right. that Scott is freaking Scott Lang, you know, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is, I think what, like, which it doubles back on the, this was the wrong movie for this. Like it yeah. should not have been Ant-Man. It could have been many, mm-hmm. many other people, but Ant-Man. Captain Marvel in the quantum yes! realm. No, it could have even been Wasp. You're not wrong. Aaron's got the yeah, yeah. bitch. But it <laughs> certainly can't have been Scott Lang because none of us bought it. Like, really, like I love Scott, but I'm like, nah. No way. Yeah. Started yeah. off like, no way. at the scene where all I had to do was start off at the scene where, in, was it in Ant-Man and the Wasp, where they show 
Aunt Man, Scott, mm-hmm. I'm not Scott, Hank and Janet fighting wherever they were fighting. Oh, yeah. for the missile. St- yeah, start yeah. off there. Uh-huh. Pick up where she's, you know, in the quantum realm now and just mm-hmm. go from there and then sort of even have a couple of scenes of de-aged Michael Douglas trying to get her out just to sort of show the passing of time, like flashback every now and again, showing him like 10 years older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each, you know, oh, during each phase of yeah. her struggle and each phase of her journey, right up until the point where they're both where they are now and, you know, they come out. But now yeah. you've self-contained this entire Kang thing. She's done it all by herself, rising up, you know, creating this rebellion and it basically, you know, almost be one of those things, huh, you'll never believe the 30 years I've had. You know what I mean? Just yeah. kind of you know, one <laughs> of those scenarios. storyline, yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah. hard. Uh, it's hard. Well, Aaron, you're so much better. Like. Yes. <laughs> I know. I'm um, upset by how good that is. <laughs> what what I will say to kind of wrap everything up is I think that, as we've alluded to many times, I think Jonathan Majors is a bright spot going into mm-hmm. what we have coming. Um mm-hmm. Are there concerns? Of course, you know the the writer for this movie is also writing the King Dynasty. So oh, we'll see, oh, you know. dear God! Um, <laughs> but yeah, it seems listen. like it seems like Jonathan Majors is going to be a part of Loki season two, which looks yes. cool, you know. And uh, my boy we have is back now, on screen. So we'll see. Yeah. So I, again, like part the thing that makes this movie a bit challenging to really process is also the thing that, you know, might open up some opportunities for future films. Like mm-hmm. it is it is at once clearly something that is just meant to be a filler and set up things, but maybe those things might be interesting. So we will shall it, see. Will it look better in retrospect once we're two other projects in? Probably no. not. No, okay. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> not even, uh, generous. That's not generous. even a consideration. No. Okay. I just said, no. It. You're not gonna. Out. You're not gonna age of Ultron this one. No, uh, look, Age of Ultron doesn't look that much better. Are you kidding? No, I, no, I, I, I'm an Ultron. No. I'm an Ultron apologist. Uh, Which part do you like? The part where uh, not anything. Black not anything. Nope, nope, Black nope. Widow's don't even pregnancy say it. Situation. <laughs> nope. Is that the part oh, you like? Not that part. Is completely nothing in that movie. Not that part. Not that part. Oh, I know. I know. The part you actually like is the part in which Thor, Iron Man, and the Hulk have a baby together. Which is the part I like. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we had gotten Joss Whedon's version, that baby would have had a giant dong. Okay, yeah. anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's, um, okay. that's Ant-Man and gone. the Wasp, Quantumania. <laughs> see, see it for yourself. I'm sure or you don't. will have opinions. <laughs> see uh, it and, and talk, tell us what your opinions tell are. Tell us we what your thoughts are. Yeah. You know, it's always yeah. interesting, especially, I think, Aaron, you alluded to this, and Chris, you too, where, like, you know, some people don't overtake it like we do, and they might have sure. had a good time. And that's uh, awesome for is, them. I really, I wish I, I could do that. I know. Yeah, great I know. popcorn. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Also, I had a great soda. Thanks to, nice. thanks to the movie theater ladies, because I left the movie theater and I called my wife and I was like, hey, um, do you want anything? And she was like, no. And then I'm on the escalator and she's like, actually, I kind of want popcorn. So I ran back up the escalator and I went to the movie theater ladies and I was like, listen, I just saw a movie. Can I go back in and buy popcorn for my wife? And they were like, yes, you can. So oh, yes. You <laughs> there you um, go. It was very it was, nice. Hey, you know, we didn't talk about, there were great trailers beforehand. That was the best part. I was here for the trailers. I don't watch the trailers, man. I roll in. I roll what is in wrong at with you? What is so wait, I don't remember. 
so I got that three, three. Uh, Adam Driver one, which was real fun. I'm yeah, oh, here that for weird one. Adam Driver dinosaurs. Yeah. All yes. right. It looks stupid. I'm here for it. Sign up. Um, God, what else was there? I really Creed enjoyed three. all of them. Creed 3 looked Go, amazing. I got, I got Guardians. I got Guardians. Guardians too, so I did. I did have to boo the whole time that happened. But um. <laughs> Guardians, I think, will be Guardians. When is that? May. Yeah, I yes. think. Hey, that you, one. I that one. I hope people kick the bucket in that one. I. You know what, Joey? If you watch it and tell me that Star Lord dies, I may happily watch that movie. <laughs> oh, I might man. roll in and be like, "This is my favorite <laughs> Guardian movie. Uh, I hope he dies painfully." <laughs> I'll we'll um, sit through it God. twice just to watch him talk twice. I will yeah. sit through it twice and I'll be like, I can, die, I, loser! I can see myself tearing up at Guardians. We'll see. Bummer, yeah. though, that Marvel's got pushed in November. I and... think this is good. Yeah, it okay. been, I was surprised that it was in July. I, I was like, bang, it, bang, bang. Right. When it was coming out, it, it's too soon compressed with the others, but it was also going to be spot in the middle of a lot of other things. A new Mission Impossible, uh, yeah. Hunger Games... You know what? If Marvel has enough confidence to put this in the holiday season, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it gives I, it more time for them to CGI their like rocket sprays. Well, get, get some extra songs in there for the musical yes. sequences. Yeah. And I got to say one more thing about Ant-Man and Wasp. I feel like we didn't appreciate enough the fact that I am turning over a new leaf. I saw the Marvel movie while it was in theaters, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Last Kudos. year, I saw all of eight movies in the theater. So I'm turning nice. over a new leave. Post-grad school, good. Chris is seeing movies. <laughs> nice. Good for well, you, you got to be on the review show now, you know, you got, yeah. that's why I watched Morbius in the theater. So <laughs> I had to do the review show. And then when I got here, it was just me and Bob. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, announced um, I was going to let you all take that hit. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap things up, just a few quick things. Um, we got a little bit of more news on the comic book movie adaptation road from deadline we got another hellboy reboot everybody coming from millennium this is um directed by cranks brian taylor um well this is gonna be hellboy the crooked man production starting next month in bulgaria uh, oh conversations boy. with cast are in late stages that's exciting i guess they're not going with David Harbour um, and the game. Or Von Perlman. <laughs> yep. Um, and this is the big thing that they're advertising now is that crucially for fans, I'm quoting from Deadline here, and for the first time in the franchise, Mike Mignola, the creator of the comics, has penned the script alongside his Dark Horse Comics collaborator, Chris Golden. The story will expand Hellboy's world through one of the most beloved issues of the comic series. Uh, the original comic Hellboy, the Crooked Man, debuted alongside the um, fan favorite Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. Um, the new film will see Hellboy and a rookie BPRD agent stranded in the 1950s rural uh, Appalachia. I think um, I'd rather see the fan favorite Hellboy 2 again. Yeah. Look, uh they got cranks, Brian Taylor. I'm sure they're going to try and John Wick this one to, you know. Is Jason Statham in this one? Yo, know, if Jason Statham plays Hellboy, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I would be there. I would actually be in for that. Um, <laughs> look, I the Hellboy thing is always like, uh, I, I'll check it out. You know, Hellboy's a great, iconic part of the comics lore. And. I've read it periodically, and those movies, I found things to enjoy, but 
until I see a trailer, that's my that's my motto on this yeah. show. Until I see a trailer, I don't believe it. I don't believe it's going to be good. I don't even believe it's going to exist until I see a trailer. So, sometimes not even then. Sometimes not no, even then. I'm going to so, actively protest against a trailer being made. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Mignola editing is cool. great idea, but uh, if we're already shooting in Bulgaria, is this now saying cheap? Uh, you never know. Maybe they're tr- well. Yeah, they can't shoot in rural Appalachia. Um, yeah, you know, rural Appalachia is beautiful and also kind of dark and terrifying. So yeah, so scary. Um, oh yeah, dude. Like <laughs> that's where my family's from. Lot of lore. I spent a summer in West Virginia, man. God, like, don't look in the trees, and if you see something, no, you didn't. Yeah, man. Exactly. Um, <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. So, a little bit of news for you there. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Hellboy? Mm-hmm. Why? Would be Haven't my, had a thought on Hellboy in years. Hell, Hellboy, Hell, <laughs> Hellboy, Hellboy. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll show us the scene again where he has to rip his horns off. We'll see. No, oh, no. we loved uh, that. That was great. What are you talking about? I think he should be wearing pearls. Oh, oh no, no, <laughs> give pearls to his father and yes. let him fall yes. across the floor. No, bouncing across as, the alley. As he dies in each movie. <laughs> okay. Books that we're looking forward to for this week. Um, Bob, what are you picking up? Saga 62, Black Cloak, number two, Kelly Thompson. We've got She-Hulk 10, World's Finest 12, Harley Quinn, I think, this week. Stargirl, number four. I may pick up Betsy Braddock, number one. Hell yeah. Mm. That's about it. That's it. Uh, Aaron? Again, Saga, Immoral X-Men, Strange Academy 4, I believe, is coming out. Uh, Captain Britain, uh, like you said. GCPD, The Blue Wall 5, Magic Order number 2, Magic Order 4 number 2, I think it is, and World's Finest. Cool. There's some other things, but I'm not really sure. I got to catch up on Blue Wall. Um, Chris, what are you reading this week? Uh, I live in a liminal state of chaos and just see what DC Infinite Ultra hands me every week so nice. we'll find out though i did just see catwoman one bad day is on there now so that's probably oh, gonna happen love that you're gonna love that yeah what's i'm excited the, uh, what's the one bad day this week is it catwoman no the new one. No. Oh, the new one. New one. Oh, in print is it killer croc Ooh. That was Clayface. I love Clayface. Oh, it's Clayface. Oh, I love Clayface. him too. It's it's apparently, they're, they're, he's starring in a movie of The Killing Joke. Oh, that's so great. I can't <laughs> wait. A lot of layers there. A lot, a lot of layers. layers. Um, so yeah, good. I'm picking up things y'all have mentioned already. Black Cloak, of course. Joe Kelly's Immortal Sergeant. I read number one. That's a weird book. But you know what? <laughs> I Kill Giants. I'll give it a shot. You know, um, killed, uh, uh, Immortal Sergeant number two. Uh, Local Man, number one, a Tim Seeley, Rural Noir, I'm oh, in. Yeah. Uh, Saga 62, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number four. Um, Immoral X-Men, you mentioned. Godfell, number one, is a new one from Chris Sabella for Vault. I'll probably check that one out. I don't know what Dawn of DC Superman number one is, uh, but I love Superman. So <laughs> maybe I'll check this one out and Nightwing 101. I forgot I had Local Man on my list. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, cool. Any uh, last comments from the gang here? Right. There, there is Go only ahead. two fan fiction about Janet and Kang, so get to work. This is not <laughs> acceptable. Bob? Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of related to what we do here and not, but 
Yes. So let me, let me just go for it. I found out this week that a um, friend of mine for many, many years passed three weeks ago. Oh. But his wife only got around to getting through his phone records and email stuff just now. His name is Fred Fry. He worked for me when I was in my record store, and he's the founder of 112 Video, which was with no false pride because I worked for him then for 13 years. Well, for a couple of years, and I kept it going. Um, Probably the East Coast best independent video store. We had more things than anybody. And that's, that's saying one thing and what we did here. But that I work there, it was there that I met a fellow named David Atto who started a bar where Bobby Shortle and Brian Verderoso and Jackie Turner and I met at a quiz night and started our podcast that led to what we're doing here. Aww. So, it, it, you know, in a six degrees of Kevin Bacon, Fred was there for this because he, he founded a store that had the whole idea of community that we have here. If you were into movies and walked into 112 video, you could find everything. It's why the New York Times showed up one day to, to interview us about, well, why do you do this? Well, because we just love movies. And it expanded into friendships and marriages and all those things. And look, he, he had a great life. There's, there's no question he went from being in a movie store to selling movies to people to importing cars and and all the things that you want to like to be to pass at 61 not so cool mm. but um privileged to have known him privileged to have worked for him um i just some uh, maybe it was a year or so ago in the midst of i guess it was a whole the whole covid thing going on i said my car fixed and i've been passing by this lawyer's office, and it was someone who worked under me, so to speak, and she was studying law at the time. His name, name is Nicole Cardiello. If you want to look her up and you're on Long Island, you want a lawyer, she's a good one. Um, and I was walking back into town to just get lunch while my car is being fixed. I said, I'm just going to stop in today. And now here's this lady who now runs her own law practice. And we start talking, and she says, you know – Best job I ever had was working at 112 Video. <laughs> She's a lawyer and runs a practice, right? It's just when you're surrounded by the sort of community that this that, that Fred set up of just movie fans. Look, he was married three times. His first marriage was okay. He at his he had he graduated from a military school and they allowed him to use the, the premises for his wedding. So he's now in this cathedral, this old-fashioned Gothic cathedral. And his wedding, his reception is, we're not seating people by family or whatever except the front table. It's who could have the best conversations and he put little conversation starters on every table. Oh, wow. He didn't hire a band. He went to cabarets, he and his wife, in New York and hired musicians and comedians and singers. And people came up from the crowd to sing. That that was in his head. And his store was run that way. And the friends he generated were that way. And he'll be well-remembered. And again, mm. n- none of you know his name, but at a certain level, he's at the... 
he he's the the unicellular organism at, at back in the Permian or whatever at, at the end at the beginning of Talking Comics. So yeah. Fred, we're gonna miss you. That, sounds, that was that's lovely. Great. Oh, thank you. Oh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> that's okay. It's important. Uh, and with that, we have reached the end of this week's episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, are we on Twitter? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> it, we are on Hive. <laughs> we are, yeah. yes. We've also got uh, talkingcomicbooks.com. And uh, yeah, and so. And Insta. And Instagram. The Instagram. Poppin. Insta's Aaron does an amazing job on the Insta. There's a lot of saucy things on that Instagram, I tell you what. Yep. Um, where can our listeners find you, Bob? Old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com I am Joey at TalkingComicBooks.com uh, Chris? You can find me on uh, Linktree.com slash The Myth of Psyche and on various podcasts. Just search my name and they'll all come up. Oh. <laughs> uh Aaron? At AJMS70 on Instagram, or just hit me up at the Instagram account at the TC Instagram. Which is again and baller. You should definitely go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um John John's carpool must be over at this point. Um <laughs> call, call an Uber for John and yeah. we'll get him. Call an Uber for John and Steve is at dead underscore anchorus. Uh, he'll be back in a couple weeks and uh we'll see you next week as well. So for Bob. Good night all. For Aaron. Kang. For Chris. Venom, 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 venom. <laughs> And for me, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, be excellent to each other. And until the next time on the Talking Comic Books podcast. Talking Comic Books podcast. What is this show called? Talking right. Comic Books podcast. Everyone Ant-Man back to one. Let's do this again. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> Got a red dot. You got a red dot? Oh, you got a red dot in the left. Red dot that's yeah, it's recording. Oh, geez, don't okay, scare good. me like that, Bob. You can't just be like red dot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> uh, so that was our general review of Ant Man and the Wops Quantum Mania. We'll did do you spoilers. Say the Wops. At the Wops. <laughs> oh, wow. I think you did. Oh. <laughs> I think it's, you may want to redo that. I mean, it no, was definitely. I'm just saying Janet had a wet ass pussy, if you know what oh I'm saying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is okay. All right. Yeah. Did you say spoilers are after dark? My bad. I think I missed it. All right. <laughs>